Cradeline Network. Right, buddy. My name is okay. Conrad. Alongside my friend Fox, this is the 280th Hello. episode of Space Spinner 2000. <laughs> 280 years of two Space Spinner 2000. As Fox. old as the Queen of England, here we are again. That's right. I mean, her eternal corpse sit across on the golden throne forever. Fox. They listen until the Elden Ring is broken and uh, we have to walk through the lands between. I mean, she's basically queen of all of us, tarnished. That's right. Fox, I'm glad that we've both taken hold of the dead man's fingers that we both carry so we can be together here to do a podcast tonight. Oh, that's my man. You got to <laughs> cast spells with a thing that looks like two fingers. And this is a podcast for two Americans. Should it make sense? The UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, <laughs> 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. 10 out of 10 would make joke again. All right. This episode, we're covering 2008 for September and October 1993. Progs 8.52 to 8.55. This time, we're starting a whole new slate of thrills as we finish up Inferno and Judge Dredd and then get started with a bunch of returning thrills in one way or another with new adventures for Tyranny Rex, Sam Slade, Robo Hunter, Slane, Strontium Dogs, and even mean arena oh god mean arena my my heart to thee i don't know if you want to read along with this from the comments, we're, we're covering today in judge dread the complete case files 19 slain a demon killer and the judge dread magazine issue 366 all right mm, 66 for all you intersexes out there that's right, historic issue three sixty six, cross country traveling, like 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 like, like <laughs> I, Route sixty six. No, I got I got it, and I liked it, and uh, also I chortled. Get your kicks on issue six three sixty six, buddy. That's what I say. <laughs> hey, listen. I mean, if there's three in the party and we're all going to be sixty sixing, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to be a curmudgeon about that. That's like spooning or something? I'm trying to... Yeah. I guess so. It's definitely... It's like a three-way... Like up, upside down in the bed or something? Because it's, it's six? I don't it's know. A, it's a three-way byway. So we're talking about at least eight people, all of which you have to figure Whoa. out who is the biggest to littlest spoon, because you want to make sure that everyone is cuddled correctly. Mm. And it's just front to back, you know? Just some hey. hugging. Three-way byway if you're going my way, buddy. And speaking <laughs> of complex situations, let's oh, get started God. with Thrill One, Judge Dredd. I mean, you can set me on fire, but I'm just going to dunk into the tank where I killed a lot of people. I planned ahead. I planned ahead for it, you son of a bitch. Who said I didn't? <laughs> this is the problem. The power of the mustache wears off very quickly. Ooh, ooh, yeah, you can only ride so long, I guess. Script robot Grant Morrison, <laughs> script robots, <laughs> Grant Morrison and Mark Miller, 
Art Robots, Carlos Siscara, Paul Marshall, and Ron Smith. Letting Robot, a Tom Frame. Hey, listen. I mean, I I don't know if you ever watched, like, um, Saul of the Mole Men from, uh, from uh, Cartoon Network. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like their late night stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them, because Saul, who has to deal with a bunch of puppetry mole men, has a big mustache and he has a singular song on there called I Want to Take You on a Mustache Ride. Good Lord. It's really worth looking up. <laughs> like the um, whole music video is kind of upsetting. I can't say one way or another, but I will log that as an interesting point, Fox. Thank you. No problem. Hey, listen, come on. We're into this together. And we're right at the finale of this epic story, Inferno, as the evil former Judge Grice is shown down with Judge Dredd in the flaming Grand Hall of Justice. And Grice himself is a flamethrower, and Dredd is literally on fire as the story starts, and Grice taunts him. The best way to start a story is on fire and then to immediately douse that fire and be an awesome. Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> seemingly out of options, Dredd shoots the floor and goes through a hole in it into, like like I think you mentioned, actually, the water-filled halls of the Mega City 1 ISO cubes, which will be called Dread <laughs> flooded right at the start of this story. I'm just going to say, like, I mean, that's part of how you do the classic dance. Everybody set on fire on the floor and then shoot that floor. Everybody do the dinosaur, which we'll get into later this prog or what collection. We'll get into it. But but one thing I do, I do appreciate about Grant Morrison's um, uh, plotting here for Inferno is that he has done a fair amount of the like set something up. And then make use of it here. There's not, he's picking the money up off the table in a way that I feel like other it's, writers have not done. In the, in, it's, in other almost as, it's almost as though he's writing something so that it's like, oh yeah, I remember that he flooded all those people, killed them. And then that was the contingency plan. Like I mean, he had I, to yeah. murder, he had to murder thousands in order to make sure like, you know, listen, if I'm ever set on fire shoot that floor i mean i appreciate yeah i appreciate that it wasn't just completely callous but i mean that's sort of the move we're going towards in dread apparently um so dread swims through the flooded halls passing a bunch we see a bunch of drowned convicts just like you know in their cells there mind you these are like pickpockets maybe many of yeah many of them are not the toughest like like i think a lot of these like holding cells or like people you know Maybe doing small bids or something like that. It, I these, mean, are not, I, these are not these are not the hardened criminals, like in the because uh, they have specific ISO blocks for those. Like the, yeah, the, the well, so they're stuff. they are they are ISO cubes. Literally, these people weren't sent to Titan. <laughs> so oh, yeah, their well, Titans crim- mostly their crimes were yeah. not that bad. I mean, Titans know? mostly for judges, but I definitely well, yeah, fair point for sure. There, there's tougher jails throughout Mega City One as well, you know. But so Dredd escapes out of a out of a sci hatch and uses a radio to call his lawmaster. Oh, also a great setup for later. God, exactly. I love this. It's it's yeah. just it. He's clearly been studying uh, film script um, kind yeah, of no, writing. You, yeah, I love you, these. Yeah, set it up so you can knock it down for sure. Meanwhile, no, or drive over it quite a few times. 
Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, Hershey is leading an assault on the other convicts, blowing them away from an H-Wagon. As we see side judges, Baji and Janice, taking out baddies precognitively. You know, like, oh, on your left. Oh, yes, on your right, etc. But, like, hosts. I know that there will be one on your right. Yes, and I know that there will be one on your on your right. Exactly. It, it's exactly the kind of stuff you want to hear side judges say. It's, it's very definitely, good. It's what you'd hope for, if just to kind of, like, here, yeah, he's just a bunch of people who can see the future fighting. Like, yeah, they can see it coming. <laughs> if a precog had a gun, etc., Finally, one of Grice's lieutenants, Bishop, tries to get Grice to focus on the attacking judges because, like, things are not going well for them. But Grice is way too obsessed with killing Dread and thus kills Bishop for getting in his way. Nah, man, he's, he's Dread crazy. Yeah. He says, oh, his gun isn't big enough. I need the biggest gun we got. <laughs> he picks a pistol and it's like, this isn't enough. Give me a bigger gun. As yeah. um, as the man who will kill him is riding in on a motorcycle that is just covered in guns. Yeah. So. No, we see Dread come rolling back into the Hall of Justice and Gray shoots him with some kind of rifle, which is fine. But I was hoping for something bigger, Fox, I got to admit. Um, Dread There's dodges. There's got to be something bigger. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like like a big like sort of like like Metal Gear kind of thing, like some oh giant my remote God. control thing. You know? And and then he just does this huge exposition about he's a uh, he's the enfance terrible, the terrible children. I just want the eagle of the big hall of justice to turn into a gun, Fox. Oh, my God. And then he has to ride the laser beam with his bike to... I've been I've been doing a little bit of a, of a gunpla since we've last talked, it's, Fox. It's beautiful. And, like, now I just want everything to convert into something else, you know? That's like uh, like Gundam models and stuff like that. I, but anyway. I, you're right. Yes, yeah, they on. should. Turn into things. <laughs> um... So Dread comes rolling in, he dodges Grice's shot and then shoots him and Grice, Grice in the chest with an armor piercer bullet. Grice falls, dropping his weapon, and Dread kicks him in the face. But then Grice, like, upends some loose rubble, knocking Dread over and kicking him in the face in turn, and then prepares to deliver the monologue that will finally finish Dread off. Uh, I mean, I. All of this is just so fun to watch. Because <laughs> it's. it's a, yeah. It, it, like is, it, it, it is, at least to me, it's kind of like humanizing Dread is like, yes, of course, he's a badass. But like this guy is driven by something similar to the man, right? I feel like at the very least, Grace has now taken enough hits that we've really got these one of these kind of two tired guys fighting, which I, I appreciate <laughs> as, as a trope, you know? That's honestly very true. And then a man with with a radio to a bike. Yeah. Well, like, you know, I don't know if, if, if you've ever seen like fights or like I've seen this in actually like in like real world, like UFC and stuff where sort of where two guys are fighting, but they're so tired that just from the fight that sometimes there's yeah. been like, 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 like I've seen I've seen MMA fights where, you know, two guys are kind of trading blows. And, you know, if, if one of them is able to just kind of get enough they could win it, but they can't put their opponent away because they just don't have the weight behind their uh, their their punches anymore. I mean, it's definitely getting there to the point where a man has to ask his bike for help. Oh, jeez. So. Grice rips a flagpole out of the ground and goes Which to stab is awesome. Dread with it. It's pretty awesome. As the lawman makes a call on his radio and Grice taunts him, but he Dreads called his lawmaster, which comes speeding I mean, forward, ramming into Grice and blasting some cons with his gun. 
Yeah. Dredd orders the bike to go forward and reverse just straight on top of Grice, grinding and, and the no, madman into a bloody unt- piece. Yeah. Until, until further until notice. Until further instruction. It's <laughs> and, so good. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's how you murder someone with a motorcycle with a computer in it. And we just see a red trickle of Grice coming down the stairs in front it's, of Dredd. <laughs> and, and he's still, but he, this is the thing. He's still talking. He's like, but right, like, Dread, of course, says, what's the matter? Feeling run down? Ooh. <laughs> Soon the cons have all been rounded up and a viral antidote seems to be working, though they won't be able to produce enough for everybody. So I guess a lot of citizens will die and Dread seems okay with that. And yet, no, he's like, hey, fewer citizens, less crime. So... Mm whatever mm. bud and i'm like I'm I, not, yeah i don't I, know well and this is such a turnaround from when he was like hey listen the citizens they want to do a democracy you gotta let them uh, hang themselves it like goes it's back such a yeah. weird thing to it goes say back that. and forth right because like i also remember like during the apocalypse war when all the citizens are like sort of chock full of like uh block mania and you know, they say, like, what What about the citizens? Like, how are we going to save them from, you know, this nuclear war or whatever? And Dredd is like, who cares or something? But so, I, uh, yeah. But, but I feel like, especially honestly, this, like, these last, these are three, three stories of Dredd this month, especially, have him being a little bit more callous than I'm, that I'm used to in the past, I think. And I, I can kind of, I weird. can kind, I can kind of get behind it given, like, where the Democrats went, all of the problems that have happened since, mm-hmm. but then he still ends up saying like how he's gone softer, and I'm like, I like I don't think I so. Think, You've I been think softer. I think that's a joke, honestly. Because so we see some cons swearing revenge as a repro like sort of as they're tossed into a pre-programmed robot ship to take them back to Titan. Or so it would seem, because as the ship leaves the atmosphere, yeah. Dread presses a button and blows them all up. Well, because what I love about this is like, oh, you know, like Hershey's there and she's like, oh, God, I know we've got this ship. It's going to tighten. But like security's so fucked up there. Like, how do we even deal with that? Yeah, they blew and up Dredd's the like, oh, no, left. I thought of that. Beep. Explode. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, for action movie standards, fucking great. I it's- just... it. It it feels like like I don't know. It's like it's it's the judge dread that I'm seeing now is just like it's all right to murder where it used to be like nah man no. you murder in the in the situations that you kind of judge it. This is a situation where I would have blown up the ship. Absolutely, maybe yeah. I mean well, I don't know because like, like well because if it was going back to Titan, it's like well I mean okay. But also, I think that's more just because there's not a lot of Titan left because they kind of blew a lot of it up as they left, you know? Exactly. But like, I think, um, I don't know, I'm not super down with, I guess, Dread killing an enemy that is at bay, I guess, that's sort of been defeated and stuff. I'm not a huge fan of, say... I agree. We haven't seen it that much. Like, like I, I, I heard there was one story, 
where there was a guy who had like who came back to life after being on recycle or something, and he did he did some kind of gas attack that killed a bunch of people. And Dread sort of did a summary execution of him, and I'm not as a I'm not as a big a fan of that for Dread versus Dread killing somebody in a gunfight or something like that. Well, right, much because it's like be it's life or death, jail, you know. Yeah, it's life or death. I'm gonna apply my bike until you're done because literally nothing else has worked on Grice, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna for apply the- that force because it's either him or me. Where and again, like I mean, even one of the earliest stories that we we had with Judge Dredd, which I still think about, is like, hey, I'm gonna drop this person off. They're they're in a big circle in the middle of a whole bunch of like super yeah. fast highways that they can't the get off of. Story, yeah, yeah, Devil's exactly. Island in the traffic area, where it's like, hey, look, uh, we could get rid of this guy. It's not good, but. Will still let them serve out their sentence in whatever way that means. Yeah, or I go guess, to an ISO cube, which I guess we flood. Like it, it just feels like but there's, that was a, there's yeah. no there's no rhyme or reason to kind of the the output of death that he's bringing now, other than like fuck the citizens. Yeah, right? I kind of, yeah I think I I really prefer dread to be sort of sentencing people to jail terms as opposed to executing them. That feels more like being a lawman than just sort of being an executioner or something like that. You well, know? exactly. Like the difference between the two. That's the thing about like, cause it, uh, honestly, he's a sheriff, like in the, in the kind of classical movie terms. Mm-hmm. So what you want to see is that you're bringing someone to justice but yeah. justice isn't exploding a ship that's taking people to a penal colony. And honestly, you a know? lot of those, yeah, and a lot of those classic stories of a sheriff is like a sheriff who will have some, who will have um, some kind of criminal in a jail cell, and then like you know, his code of ethics will protect, will, will make him protect that con- that uh, convict it's, to, it's, to that's go the whole to thing prison. Three ten to Yuma. Right, as opposed to giving into a lynch mob or something like that, you know. Well, I mean, three ten to Yuma was like, we've got to get this prisoner on that thing, but everyone's trying to kill us and yeah. them, right? Yeah. So, was, yeah. like, that's that's the kind of dilemma that you want, where it's like, is he going to kill people? Because that's the question with him. Whereas within the last few. It's just been like, yes, I flooded those cells. And it's awesome. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the self-flooding, I, I guess, might just be because he didn't want to, like, presumably, the like, criminals would rally to, you know, Grice's side and stuff like that. I don't know. I'll mention also that I think there's a big difference between, again, killing all these, pri- like, pressing a button to kill all these prisoners versus, say pressing the button to end the apocalypse war for instance like there's just but that's levels to it, but I that's kind of, sorry not to not to belabor the point but yeah like the two things that he did is like like most of the people in the iso cubes yeah they they are likely just like purse thieves or whatever where it's like hey two years in the iso right they aren't they aren't and, hard and criminals he still, like the guys he, on tight any any yeah. pr- well most of them right and he pressed right. a button to kill them and then at the end of the story he presses a button to kill a bunch of people who are literally trying to overthrow a government right, right. and so it, it basically it's saying these two groups are the same and so mm. that's where i i ended this thinking like what is judge dread's thing because he says justice yeah, I think it's just yeah. We are. I feel like 
between Morrison and Miller, especially between these two artists, I think they are sort of cheapening the price of life in Mega City One a little bit. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, and then there's a Tyrannosaurus Rex, whatever, right? Yeah, good times. But yeah, so anyway, with all that said, <laughs> we're done with this Inferno uh, storyline, Fox. It, it was very good, and the stakes are clearly there. That's So that's what I'll say about this story before we get into the latter two, where mm-hmm. it's like, I, I like that there's a constant reminder of like, everything's fucked. We don't mm-hmm. have a ton of people anymore. And that's even followed through in the other stories. I like that there's a through line, um, but it does seem like it's like, who gives a shit at the end of the day? So <laughs> positives and negatives. Yeah, I thought this one was okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like, okay would be the right way to put it. Like, I like the build up through the purgatory story. I thought that was interesting. Um I didn't really like, I guess, I don't know, how they kind of come to the conclusion, how they how we reach this conclusion, I guess, because it's less like, oh, we found a way to defeat X or whatever, and more just sort of Dread takes his shirt off and says, you know, we're going <laughs> to kick this guy's ass because I'm going to kick this guy's ass, you know. Well, the bike takes its shirt off and then does right. that. Right, well, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the previous issues and stuff like that. No, absolutely. Like, I, I, like, I wasn't trying like, to take the piss out of you. Dread, you're sick dread you've been beat up how are we gonna how are we gonna fight back and win and this is kind of like i got a pipe we're gonna do it like okay i guess um i just i here's my question for you conrad mm -hmm. but why walter indeed yeah the walter cameo it seemed unnecessary it could have been anyone literally anyone but it was walter and then that didn't matter for any of the rest of the anything that mattered. No. It would have been, like, I would have liked it if Walter, again, if Walter then had some kind of infor- piece of information that turned the tide or something like that. Or he like, exploded and died. Or he had, and or he had been destroyed and, and that somehow, or, like, even inspired Dread to do something or something like that. Like, again, I just feel like, I don't know if the win was earned, I guess, just in terms of how the story it, goes. It definitely wasn't. But now let's get into some racist shit. Yeah. What do you think? So, I'll also just say quickly that um, we'll see Judge Janice again in 1995, and Walter yes. will return next in the pages of the magazine. So, That's horrible. I'm so sorry. You know, we'll deal with it. M- Mark Miller and Paul Marshall take over on writing and art, respectively, and we're dumped right in the middle of the action as Dredd is being sentenced to death by a bunch of Chinese judges, I guess? I mean, they say their sins said. Uh, yeah, Sino said, yeah. excuse me. And uh, their 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 leader has a ha- drudge helmet that's got kind of a dragon head shape, like at a uh, at a Lunar New Year festival, like one of those uh, dragon you know parade things. But listen, Dreads is being shocked in an electric chair, but he fights through and just like busts out of the chair and and zaps this leader guy so that he gets electrocuted as well, and then he just shoots a bunch of these other guys in the face and reports into control that Sinosid really judges easy. are here. Yeah, not tough. And I think Sinoset was actually destroyed in Necropolis, but don't worry about it. <laughs> then Soft Judges attack attack Dread 2. Oh, no. Oh, no, not Soft Judges. This must be definitely not a dream. 
Dread fights them too, still asking Control for help when he looks up and sees the city, including the Hall of Justice, all burning up in flames. And then a hand bursts out of the ground and grabs him, and it's a bunch of zombie SJS judges welcoming him to hell. But Dread says he'll fight till his last breath. And they drag him down, and he's all like, no! And then suddenly they all disappear, and we see Dread standing over a bunch of dead bodies. So I'll I'll say this, Conrad, given the context of this, obviously the drug Eve is given, which you'll get into. His psychosomatics don't go to, like, judge death. It goes to, like, SJS is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's applied by an SJS judge. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, we see. Yeah. So we see Magruder and an SJS judge and they explain that Psy Division has seen there's another, there's a big crisis coming. And like, buddy, we just had a big crisis. <laughs> like, what was that? What did we just do? Uh, like, Inferno literally had, a, like, all, the entire city infected by a uh, bioweapon from space and resulted in the Grand Hall of Justice being burned down. <laughs> You know? I, I feel like I feel like this that that whole episode could have just been like Judge Dredd being a huge dick to a bunch of like newly made judges, not a hot dog run. Right. Where it's mm-hmm. like, listen, there's not much of us and we've got to harden ourselves because of these reasons and just like running them through a ridiculous course where it's like, hey, we we've got to be better. We have to be stronger because there's not much of us. Mm-hmm. But instead, they're like. Uh, we gave you a drug. Yeah, they're made you, testing made you crazy. Yeah, they're testing a new aggro judge, which will give judges the extra ass kicking oomph they might need. For Literally, some new nothing threat. bad will happen when we give our judges PCP. Right, and they tested it on Dread, and apparently just on a bunch of random perps they pulled off the street. So just another like, one like of these like purse snatchers and stuff. Yeah. These guys weren't anything, and he just killed them. He's like, okay, well, I guess I did that. And that's extremely cheap here. Yeah. And Magruder says there's trouble brewing in the Eastern blocks within the next 18 months. Something bad is headed their way once more. Again, worse than apparently the Inferno situation that we just finished last year. Here's my question for you, Conrad. Is that true? In 18 Um, months? Will I see that? I. I looked ahead at what's going on between sort of. (laughs) This sounds like a no. (laughs) Into early spring of 95. And I don't want to say there's not going to be big problems that Mega City One's going to deal with. There are. But it's not that one. I don't think there's ones that are like, I didn't see any extended storylines that I know were based in like the Sino, like like from China or Russia, the Eastern blocks that they're talking about. As far as I know, I could be misremembering, but, but we'll see. I mean, still, like, that's like you setting up for a thing and then not delivering on it in literally the time frame. Like, there might be, like, I think there is even some Eastern stuff, but I don't think it's a city, it's a city-threatening one or something. But let's, let's keep an eye out, I guess, you know. Okay. Like, like, except, like, until, like, you know, a deadline of uh, March 1995 for some sort of... Eastern blocks based um, Mega City One scale threat. <laughs> hey, listen, you're you're the navigator in these troubled waters, and I'm just I don't know 
like a a boatman, maybe a yeah. maybe a maybe a yeoman at my best. Pilot of the good ship Space Spinner 2000. I mean, right. like when you're not spinning the wheel, I'm like, maybe this direction, right? It could be something. So, okay, so fi- f- capping off Dread here, <laughs> 30 minutes of this uh, Dread coverage. Oh my gosh. I, got some, listen, got some ethics I, in I here. Love, it took some time. I, I, I love it mostly because yeah. we're ending on Dinosaur. Good times. Yeah, Ron Smith is working with Mark Miller now. And in the Cursed Earth, um, outside the city walls, a perp covered in bandages has kidnapped Mega City One's favorite grandmother, <laughs> oldest wo- person in Mega City One, and is holding her for a ransom as he guns down attacking judges when suddenly a goddamn T-Rex appears. It bites him in half! You know, he, I'm not- bites, he bites him in twain, Absolutely. Conrad. I'm not a huge fan of Ron Smith's T-Rexes a lot of the times. I feel like we saw ones in progs like three in, in the 340s that I thought were not great. There were like four T-Rexes on the loose. But this one's pretty fun. And this I got a one's lot- great. It also, uh, listen, um, maybe I'm paying less attention to the dinosaur and more of the man in half. Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to, yeah, I've got a lot of nostalgia for these standing up straight T-Rexes. And indeed, as you say, the dino attacks the perp as the granny escapes. And then the T-Rex just bites this guy into two pieces and it's pretty, it takes his leg and his torso goes flying off to the side. And, and, and then just doesn't kill the entire crowd. Who no. I imagine, based on Jurassic Park theory, we're all standing very still. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it. Three cheers for the dino! <laughs> and yeah! as often hip, happens, hip. <laughs> as often happens in Mega City One, the dino is now a, lo- a, a local celebrity, and riots are breaking out to celebrate its heroism. Because <laughs> Mega City One, they'll riot I, over anything. I love it, and also the Conrad. Mm-hmm. Conrad. Mm-hmm. The giant judge badge that this weirdo crazy doctor made. He had to go buy from a special store box. I'm just so happy about it. It's like, hey, listen, we also made him a sick ass necklace, even though he's clearly terrifying. Yeah, so the mega citizens are demanding not only that this dinosaur, which has tasted human flesh, not be put down, um, but you know, be pardoned and some people even say make it a full-fledged judge. The leader of this push is Jurassic expert Mike Crichton. A, A, yeah, it's spelled like the author of Jurassic no, Park. yeah, yeah, says Michael Crichton. They should get the key, that the dino, that the T-Rex should get the key to the city and be made a full-fledged judge. Dredd has had enough of this and puts on a big backpack-based gun. Meanwhile, the T-Rex has been chained up King Kong style, and Crichton and his buddies prepare to hang a big old judge badge on the T-Rex's neck. It's and this- so good. It's so like this is this is the thing where it's like, I get it, Kong Skull Island and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see them. Like, here's your big necklace, monster. And then they, with helicopters, put the necklace on the monster and then they go crazy and like murder. I love that that it's so inevitable that this will lead to the T-Rex breaking free that they barely even show the chains ripping. Oh, yeah, no, it's just like it happens. (laughs) Yeah, no, this this dinosaur is ready to eat. Yeah. So hello. (laughs) 
Naturally, the T-Rex gets free and goes on the attack. Crichton tells everybody to remain perfectly still to avoid being seen by the T-Rex, Jurassic Park Listen, style. it's definitely a bird, like how it's, I said in my book. It whatever. seems to work, actually, because Crichton doesn't get eaten by the T-Rex, but he does get accidentally stomped by it good times. I, I love it. Dread so arrives on the scene, flamethrowers the dino right in the <laughs> face. Which then makes it topple. Like, it's like King of the Monsters shit. He just falls on top of a bunch of people in buildings. Fox, yeah, it's it's cold-blooded, it's so- Fox. It can't handle the heat. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> Sorry. I see you caught me off guard, so it's like a hack. That was so... <laughs> Cold-blooded, you shoot this dinosaur. And speaking of which, Dread pops a high X round, shoots the dinosaur so that it blasts into a thousand pieces of <laughs> local citizens covered in gore. See, this is the thing. He's clearly been playing a From Software game because you have to douse it in oil, then douse it in flame, and then you use an explosive thing because it's going to just explode after that. And this could also be like a, a monster hunter situation, which I feel like is closer. He He's clearly played enough video games. To understand. Honestly, it reminds me. Do you remember that uh, that uh, the, the Oregon exploding whale? Fox? Oh, my God. Yes. I can't <laughs> yes. stress enough that if you he's have got you too much what I'm gases about. from e- he's e- he's eating too many people and all this gas is just expanding in his just, big old belly. Just put like like exploding whale Oregon into Google, and it's this news footage from 1970 where a big oh whale beached itself on the Oregon coast, and they were and, and got bloated as hell. The local because folks it was were dead. like, "We got to get rid of this thing. Let's blow it up." And they apparently put way too much TNT into this thing, uh, and because there was so much gas inside the animal, and it just causes this <laughs> massive explosion that showers like a six mile radius in whale meat. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, and here's the thing, no ambergris to be found, really. Precious hamburgers. Anyway, Dredd says... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. This is is one of those... Sorry. Sorry, please. I know people who listen to this show can tell when we're back to recording after it's been a little bit of a break. We just get real crazy like this. It's it's just... (laughs) I would love ambergris to just be how you make hamburgers. I it's guess. a reference, yeah. But so I Dredd, didn't know that, but I uh, also love it. Dread tells the citizens, "You guys don't need heroes like this savior dinosaur. You got the judges." And he walks off, ordering us to appreciate it, and not walking away with all those precious hands. No, well, you know, you just got to go what you what you can. You know, it's fine. Oh, my God. Hey, Fox. Yeah, hey, Conrad. How's it going? Speaking of blasts from the past. <laughs> okay. Yes. And Come also, on. and also, <sighs> I may love it. <laughs> I'm interested. I, honestly, yeah. Thrill to mean arena. You uh, know, you know what I can't get over before mm-hmm. you get into who done yeah. it? Um, 
man, do British comics love saying everyone in the future is fat and slovenly. They really do. Script about Al McKenzie, art about Anthony Williams, Lego about Jack Potter. You know, if I'm down on on this Mean Arena story a little bit, it's mostly that I loved Slaughter Bowl so much. Um, yes. And so, yes. like, the prospect of just going back to back from there to this story, which is also about so a Con- Con- guy seemingly wrongfully convicted going on to a futuristic game show type of fight to the death situation. You know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's very much getting a stake and then getting another stake is what I'm trying to say. 100% with you. However, here is my compromise to that. Mm-hmm. Mean arena by the end of it feels like to me, a Kung Fu movie mm. versus an action film from the West. I mean, that's fair. I mean, yeah, we should definitely talk. Like, so there's some elements no, of, we're, of that we're gonna, stuff for sure. We're gonna as well. get we're gonna get into it because I think that there are some there's some well laid plans for it. I think it still works. Uh, however, I agree broadly, right? Like, there's there's one that's better than the other, most likely. Until we get to the end of Mean Arena, but my God, I'm like, especially as soon as they introduce Kung Fu and then more Kung Fu happens. Like, oh, I get this. I've watched this movie before. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I mean, literally. Well, yeah. So, Mean Arena, Fox. Oh my well, God. Well, remember, Tell of me course, Mean Arena as being written by Tom Tully with art by guys like John Richardson's. Uh, I, I mean, this debuting state Steve Dillon and Eric Bradbury, among others, from 1980 to 1982. And, and eleven this years literally later, literally has back. no connection. No, to those no, things. nothing, nothing to do with it. And, and I'm honestly, again, I'm okay with that. Just in terms of where it's going, and it, it's fresh material as opposed to let's rehash the same thing, right? I mean, yeah, like, I'm glad it's not, I'm glad it's just its own kind of situation as opposed to, say, Harlan Heroes or something. But, you know, and I, and I don't I don't have a huge attachment to original Mean Team either. Like, that's not one. That's... Actually, unlike Harlem Heroes, Mean Arena is not really a story I hold very close to my heart. So I don't mind <laughs> Weird. Weird we don't hold it so close to our heart. God, I mean, there are some parts of that original Mean Arena which I do. That are fantastic. I do think back about just like the the sheer <laughs> evilosity <laughs> of, the he- of the ostensible hero's plans in certain situations. There was a the- cyborg, there was a cyborg <laughs> tech, tech <laughs> goblin guy. Oh my god. Well, there was th- okay. Yes. And, and I'm just, glad that they didn't go for it. It's just the name, but none of Yeah. I I feel like it landed it without trying to call back to it that nobody who's reading this comic at the time present that we're reading it even knows. Plus like it just I'm glad they don't mess with the continuity because it leaves my own um you know planned re- or a uh, continuation of Mean Arena with which will have a ton of a reality or a mind bending like a reality questioning Philip K Dick yes. stuff in the future well, but let's let me pitch that at, an, at another point Fox All right um, let's anyway. let's go to this uh, family yeah. who doesn't want to think or act and yeah. also have it translate to somebody who's running from the law. 
Mm. A bunch of us slovenly Brits gorge themselves. They watch me in arena on TV. There's an ad for a suit that'll muscle you up. And they're like, oh, look, look how fat he is on the uh, on, on, on the before picture for this suit. As a man with white hair. If I was going hair, to have any of that soup, I suppose mm-hmm. I'd have a little bit of it, but quite muscular already. Mm. As a man with white hair runs through... The, a rainy city and a bunch of, mi- of uh, paramilitary jerks and helicopters come after him. The man runs into a field of rubble, but is eventually caught, hit by some kind of cloud or beam or something like that. They take him in as a uh, an MC, like a TV show host starts, the sh- uh, um, s- introducing a show where only the innocent survive for fans of trial by television. I so I feel like the whole premise of this comic was built off of that phrase trial by television. Yes. Cuz I I love it. I love the phrase it's trial by television. Also However, I feel like the character it's like it like what did they do? Why are they here? Oh, Maybe they did nothing. Like, literally, maybe they did nothing. And so that's, it it drew me in on that prospect alone, where it's literally, it's not trial by combat, it's trial by television. Yeah. And they're just capturing this person for that particular reason. It does have a lot of similarities to um, Slaughter Bowl, I'll I'll mention. But... Or I don't know, but anyway, um, like your Running Man's, and also the uh, yeah the uh, th- the Running Man movie as well for sure. The viewers decide as the white-haired guy says he didn't do anything, and he enters the massive stadium of the Mean Arena. I I and I love that it's not again. It's not the same Mean Arena that we're used to. Oh no, there's these platforms. There's these people. It's obviously military guarded. It's all for spectacle. No, yeah, I this mean, is much more of an of an American gladiators or something like that kind of situation. Exactly. So I wanted to kind of front load this with where we'd normally be uh, concerned about it as soon as <laughs> Mr. Flawless shows up, which you're about to get into. Listen, I love. I like, got I've, very excited. I never want to be down on a story about people forced to fight to the death, Fox, because that sort of thing I'm always very interested in. Super sport time, buddy. Mm-hmm. Host Wolf Drago runs down the tonight's Mean Arena card with Scratch Man and the Monster Mash at the top, an orb fest featuring the Black Widow, and then we see the white-haired as we see the white-haired guy getting processed and cavity searched into a prison, basically. And Drago introduces the ring announcer, veterans of ninety-three bouts in the arena, Mister Flawless, and Mister Flawless is a buff blonde dude in an orange suit with kind of curly hair, not unlike the WWF's Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, if you ask me. I, the, well, that's, that's what I was going to say. It feels like everyone who was writing and arting and lettering this, it's like the weave we're there's watching. A, there's a ton of references throughout this story from what I can see, Fox. The people so want good. blood and they want it before the commercial break. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> Which also great tagline. Definitely. Just that's that's a call and response with the crowd. Um, we get the first combatants, the accountant, here for the petty crime of interest skimming. 
fighting against Black Belt Jones, who's clearly er, a reference. Er, I mean, it's Erwin uh, Scheister, right? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah, IRS, of course. Um, and Black Belt Jones, who's clearly um, actor Jim Kelly, who, of course, played the character Black Belt Jones in a black exploitation movie in the 70s. But I know I always recall <laughs> a, a definitely as... Um, you know, as what's his name, the dude with the afro from uh, Enter the Dragon and stuff like that. Yes, and and what I love about this is what will come later that you will describe because yeah. why not? Cool dude. Why would afro? Why would Erwin Scheister not get uh, a thing that happens? Please continue. There are no rules, so get fighting. The platform the two men are on rises up and starts to like tip about. The accountant doesn't want to fight and goes to to run and jump off the side before he um um and decide that way or heel. something. But before he does, Jones just punches him right through the chest. Yes, like <laughs> right through the stomach, spleen, intestines. Through the it's back, just like robotic fist coming arm. out the other side. Like, absolutely. And, well, so here's the thing: it's like the whole time he's like, "Kia is." He's just doing sounds and moving his arms around, and then he suddenly punches his entire fist through the entire man's body. He then falls onto the fucking pavement with a sklitch head first. Like, his (laughs) neck and head are exploded, and everyone's like, oh, isn't that terrific? Definitely. And I want to think it's like... This is horrible. And I, I think love a, it. A lot of those sounds are very uh, Jim Kelly sounds. If you've seen the the movies that he's in, that's so he's a he's he's a very vocal kind of a martial artist. Um, so yes, the accountant dies, <laughs> pretty awesome. And Whitehair gets dumped into the prison yard, where a couple of dudes call him meat and push him around. When suddenly a big dude with a mustache claims him, it's the meat grinder. I I love that it's like everybody's calling them meckers. There's this kind of world building going on with these people pushing them around. It's like, I don't give a fuck about you guys. Then they fuck with him. And then suddenly the biggest hog in the prison comes up and everyone's like, oh, shit, we got to back off. Yeah, right? mecker seems to be um, future slang for just kind of dude or something like that. In here. It, it, there's just a lot of world building that I really appreciate. Out of a first prog, yeah, no, we're jumping a first, of, we're of a first thrill in in a prog. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely tossing us into a world here, I guess. Um, so white hair, we learn, is named Sam Granger, and Meat Grinder apparently likes the cut of Sam's jib, so introduces him to his gang and has Weasel, one of his um, cohorts. Get some vittles for Sam from the prison automat. Well, and it's specific that it's like he's he doesn't have to fight because he's a part of this gang. He's like, you don't have to fight. You have to like if you don't want to fight, you have to train this person. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, some of the, the context that I like where it's like, hey, we've got to have this weasel guy kind of like get him up to speed. Yeah, you show know? him around the prison, do some exposition, stuff like that. <laughs> we see Dra- we see Black Belt Jones brought back to the yard by guards and put in a cell, apparently because he didn't follow the script, because it seems that the governor has a deal with the dang triad fixing the fights in Mean Arena. Oh, no. So everybody sits down on the ground to watch the next fight, 
as the Archangel, a dude with big metal wings kind of coming off his back, is taken on the Toad, pretty much the character <clears throat> Toad from X-Men, and indeed this very Archangel with a bunch of metal wings, also very X-Men at this point, so whatever. I, I um, Yeah, I know, I definitely feel like it's, because Toad, Toad was also a character, but not called Toad. Yeah, no, he was called Toad. Okay, so it's all... One of the, it, one of the but, League but of Evil, Evil Mutants, one of the first X-Men villains, and of course... In the movies, the 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 subject of the line, uh, you know what happens when a toad gets hit by electricity? Oh yeah! Oh, I remember this. <laughs> Same thing as everything else, buddy. It fucking explodes. And but hey, look, hey, you're gonna be fighting in this lily pad environment. Not, it's just like okay, well. Yeah, they're going to be fighting in a water-filled, lily-pad-based arena with the water full of thousands of razorfish, genetically engineered piranhas. I Flawless. do like yeah. I do like that everybody has to sit, like, cross-legged on the ground. Yeah, they're, they're crisscross applesauce in prison watching this stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly, where it's like, not, you have to do it. Well, what else are you going to do? It's on the screens, you know. Flawless gives the edge to Toad, and the match is about to begin afterward from our sponsors. And Sam seems to not be impressed by all this. The cons are watching TV and debate the outcome of the fight as a dude with a robot eye with with, with a couple goons, one of them who looks like uh, Dr. Robotnik from Sonic, um, yeah. asks where to find me. He's just bald guy with like like sort of a bushy <laughs> orange mustache. I've got a, I've got a strange rock for a hand. Fuck yeah, you. Right. Ask where to find Meat Grinder. Uh, Sam's buddy Weasel is told to go look for him, leaving Sam alone to face the music. And as the fight on the screen starts, Sam attacks I, no, I the guy with a robot this. eye and just kicks the shit out of these guys. Well, what's what's great about this is that what's going on on the screen and what they're saying mirrors what is going on in the fight in the pit, right? So yeah. it's, it's like, yo, the mecher's making his moves, but oh, he walked right into like a punch. And everything that's going on is like, Oh, it turns out this dude with white hair. Yeah, yeah Sam, he fucking good. knows what the fuck he's doing. He takes like, he takes one guy out all with, over a, him. with a tongue severing palm strike, and then um, hits another hits Doctor Robotnik with an eye watering punch to the nuts. More goons attack, but Sam easily dodges their swings and delivers devastating counterattacks. And again, we see on the screen, like you said, that uh, Toad is similarly doing great against Dark Archangel. Finally, I mean, this is the thing. The, it's like yeah. it's all this drunken master kind of kung fu where it's he's leaning outside of what's going on, applying force when they're at their weakest moment, and then dropping them completely. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is where I'm like, this feels more like a Kung Fu film than an action movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he's just leaning out of everything. He's not he's not um, taking the hits. He's just leaning out of them. Yeah. Waiting sort of for it and stuff. then yeah. smashing them. So it's it's very Kung Fu esque. And and it's it's something that I like a lot, especially from an unassuming person who's like, my grandma taught me this. Yeah, but. yeah. That's what that's what Sam says when Meat Grinder shows up. After everybody's been beaten and asks how he learned to fight like that, and apparently it's true. 
Grinder says, even if you're a badass, you're going to need friends in here and offers to be one of them. Next time, seconds out. I'm going to tell you, Conrad, you, you probably already know. I loved this. <laughs> uh, and and it's, it's not just because, well, so it could have been a sports thing where they're telling us how the blood fight works. But what mm-hmm. I love is that we're not seeing... Uh, kind of the 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 nature of the game yet we're mm-hmm. seeing this guy get taken under the wing of literally one of the most dangerous persons here so much so that no one else wants to fuck with him right right and then he establishes himself very quickly and what i love about it is like oh no i learned this from my grandma <laughs> right yeah. so it it it's it's fun but the the interplay between the context and what is happening, I think, is really working well in terms of the the again the the prose of what's happening and showing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I love it. I I'm excited to see where this goes. I hope it doesn't drop off. I I I don't know. I'm I like it's just when I when I stopped yeah. reading. Mean Arena, I was like, I want to, I want to see more, right? Nice. That no, that's good for sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm less up on it than you are, I think. But you know, I'm, I'm certainly, I like stories where crazy characters fight to the death, like certainly. So I'm, so I'll, I'll, I'll give, I'm giving it a chance. You know, I would like it to be good always. You know, all that stuff. And uh, hey, speaking of weirdos fighting to the death, Fox. Oh God. Or just weirdos be weirdos dying, perhaps. Hey, let's have a bunch of pros about a character that didn't have a backstory before. Three hundred three tyranny Rex. Gifted by John Smith, art robot Mark Buckingham, lettering robot Ellie Deville. First time on the main podcast, we're seeing artist Mark Buckingham. Uh, he's been in a special before. Um, He's done a ton of stuff just sort of in comic art. I know him best for uh, for Fables, uh, I mean, uh, that I series. Knocked it out of the park. And Fables was fantastic. As somebody who loves um, uh, uh, Devil, what the fuck? Lucifer. As someone who loves Lucifer, mm-hmm. uh, it has a very similar style. I love this look, especially for Tyranny Rex. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I feel the same about the story yet. I See, love this. Where, I here's love where we're at counterpoints. I love this. I think this is fantastic. I um, I love the story. Honest to God. Like, Tyranny Rex now has direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, definitely. I think. Um, so, you know, so. So, Stephen Dill, so sorry. So, Tyranny Rex is back. Um, and it's funny because Mean Arena was a story that uh, artist Steve Dillon did some of his first work on. And now we're bringing back another uh, character that was that was co created by Steve Dillon, Tyranny yeah. Rex. We last saw her in the Soft Bodies story where she left a life of combat based uh, modern art. Again, meaningless. Join a nunnery in a sort of a confusing story. Um, but meaningless. But, yeah, this, was... but this takes that and brings it meaning. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that it doesn't really play that much with her backstory, I guess. But it's a whole thing. Um, you know, I, don't know seen... if it, I don't know if it cares about it. I guess. No, I don't think so, really. We've seen a few non-continuity tyranny stories since then in specials and annuals, but not really anything we need to know for this story. Um, 
And I'm going to kind I, of I, I'm going to kind of go go a little nuts with this one, Fox, if you if you give I, me I'm OK. The space to be, be so. before before you go full nuts. I want to I just want to say a few things. Mm-hmm. The the wide shots of this, <laughs> the character interactions of this. Right. When it's not going too deep into its own mythos that we don't completely understand, but it builds to that. The art of this whole thing is beautiful. Absolutely. And I do feel that it marries well to <laughs> at some points to the to the prose that it's putting out. Mm-hmm. This might be the best Tyranny Rex I've ever read. I mean, that uh, the bar seems no. low, but I definitely agree. No, I <laughs> Won't say that, but yes, I agree. So there's been some fun tyranny rexes, but like, honestly, see, that's what I would say is that there's been fun tyranny rexes where it's like sexy tyranny rex does a thing at a place. There was that there's that one where she killed Prince. There was that one where (laughs) she fought her way through a city that had been eaten by a giant space whale. Like those ones were good. It's interesting, but it's it's meaningless and and kind of like pointless. Whereas what I wanted to kind of lead with is I think where you're going, which is this kind of fucking cool, yeah. kind of really fucking cool. And Conrad, I'm not going to talk anymore through tyranny Rex, <laughs> but I, mean, I want okay. you to know, Just... no, I want you to know, I think interesting as opposed to shit. Please regale that... us. You know, it's something we've talked about with John Smith in in '93, especially. Actually, is that a bunch of these uh, was that the John Smith stories we we've talked about already? Uh, you know, uh, Fire Kind and then Slaughter Bowl also are stories that throw a lot of like verbiage and concepts at you and sort of build to one of the a big like stream of consciousness like moment, I guess, or like series of things where you know. It's sort of hard to tell what's going on, but you get a real sense. There's a lot of these staccato words and things going yes. crazy. And but that isn't I, necessarily bad. I right? think it's awesome. Like I, I yes. love those moments. And what I yes. think is is really interesting about Tyranny Rex is that that's how this one's. That's how this story starts instead of how it ends, basically. Um, but so he's getting his footing is really what you're kind of putting your point on. Maybe. I think it's just the yeah, or just that he he's playing like he's got these conventions, and I think it's interesting to see them in a different order than we've seen them before. I I love it, and now I step away. <laughs> no, it's Please, okay. so regale us see, with your words. We see a bunch of image. We, we see images of a big cathedral and narration boxes with rhymes about women being burnt to death. It's Cor it's Corvakesh in the year 2177, and a bunch of nuns are planting seedlings in the fields. One of them, green-skinned wizard lady, or lizard lady, I should say, Tyranny Rex. In the distance, she sees a giant cloud of black birds flying towards her and the other nuns. There must be millions of them. She dreamed this as a frog nun asks if she's okay. All, m- m- most of the nuns, I think, are uh, non-human aliens. The birds are leading forward killers on horseback. They're after the skin. They have to get back to the convent. So one of the things that I'll... Sorry, not to interrupt too much. One of the things that I love is it's not just non-human. It's non-human and literally uh, like things. Like one of them has a harp for a head. 
one of them is a frog, one of them is an amphibian, uh, yeah. in a different sense than a frog. Like, I love it. Anyway, please totally. continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. F- feel free, for sure. Um, a figure on a white horse in golden armor rides forward. We see more riders and then a giant bear monster or something standing behind them. They're coming to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of God. We see flashes now just of images and then black panels of fire and destruction and women of various species running from it. Again, this is just the full uh, John Smith like staccato narration here. Narration boxes picking up individual details that paint a scene. Blood in the air as church bells ring. Changes in air pressure exploding beehives. The thrum of prayers. Praying for the dying. Prayers for the dead. We see some older nuns sitting in the circle calling out to a greater God with a some sort of cho- coffer or glowing box in the middle of them. Yes. Tyranny sees a fellow sister um, killed while trying to help a trapped child. She turns to see one of the knights and pops long claws from her fingers and leaps into the air, attacking him. Um, As she goes, she feels ice or the other nuns pray at the glowing coffer as tyranny pulls a baby from a field of briars. And after, and after being asked to do it, Mm -hmm. Even though through the whole scene, there is this kind of juxtaposition between what's happening, what what they're being asked to do and the convent of 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 prayers being felled. And I would say felled to this, not necessarily a demon, but an anti-god almost. Yeah, giant monster. Yeah, terrible. and, And what I love about this is she's being asked to save this child who's wrapped in briars, Mm. which will come back later, right? Like everything has this physical meaning. Yeah. Right. Heavy symbolism everywhere for sure. Exactly. Even, even when in the next panel over uh, a rhino nun is like, it's just a giant ass and she's trying to cover it, (laughs) you know, like there's, There's there's sexual imagery. There is, uh, and then the panel over from that is like eight, it, like it's it's Giger. Mm-hmm. It's Definitely. just Giger. So anyway, I'm yeah. I'm gonna step back T- again now. Sorry, <laughs> no problem. Tyranny goes running, praying as she goes. As an icy intensity, a great monster follows behind her. The older nuns seem to complete their prayer as Tyranny enters a sanctuary. The beast hot on her heels when it's suddenly engulfed in white light and seemingly destroyed or at least ba- beaten back. Tyranny holds the baby, and in her bones, she feels that there's snow in the air. And I just love the, the the start of this story. It just really takes a moment to establish the scene, and then immediately just starts blowing things up and killing everybody. And it's really just a great Enmedius Res kind of situation here. It's fun. But that's it, the thing, is that everything that's happening within the scene is an arc. So it's, yes, everything's fucked, but, and, and, and you're kind of going through this arc with with her mm-hmm. and then it ends with her holding the child in a white light but where it starts in 853 there's snow falling and yeah. there's there's uh, people trying to hold these these boundaries it, it, 
it's beautiful. Like how each folds into the next. It is honest to God, some of the best writing and also best art that I've seen. Though. Definitely. Yeah. Inside the sanctuary, Tyranny looks out. It seems the nuns that were captured have been hung on the gallows and now being nailed to trees. A variety no, of aliens hung on hung on the trees and screaming. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you get a sense that there's just terror going on out outside the convent here. A variety of alien nuns worry what to do, and one that looks like a sugar glider suggests prayer. As one with the fish head says, the prayers won't work, and that they'll all be dead once the mother superiors is a shield drops. Her freaking out makes the baby cry. And the sugar glider tells the fish to go hide the baby and then suggests that, suggests that Tyranny, who's well-versed in the bodiless arts, go to be an envoy with the attackers. What I what I love about this, Conrad, is everybody's worried about the child, mm-hmm. right? It was it was about taking this child and making sure it survives. Yeah, no, they're We'll give it to the robot. We'll give it to the fucking animals. We'll give it to whatever... And and the one animal that's kind of like chameleon like or whatever, she's like, ah, fuck, we're gonna fucking die, we're yeah. gonna fucking die, and no one's really thinking about this. The I, basically I the like mother they, superior, who is the sugar glider, as you say, mm-hmm. is like, this is what we're doing, just do it. Yeah, I think whether honestly, or not she, that's the right information, she gives her the kid just to kind of give her something to focus on. I think as opposed to sort of being uh, like without a task and just sort of spiraling out and getting, and getting too freaked out, you know? No, you're absolutely right. And also that has a thing that happens. I'll let you go. Mm. So a uh, tyranny sits in low disposition and then astral projects out of her body, her sort of ghost passing through walls and floors. And we see outside the convent, um, a woman in ye- in red and gold yells at a beaten nun tied to a wooden frame. She's demanding to know about the god's skin. The nun doesn't know anything, so the woman in red tells a being in green with a featureless red helmet to torture her further, which does have some, uh, what, fire kind notes here, I'll mention. Um, it's not great. In- no. The woman in red walks off as screams follow her. Tyranny moves from one atrocity to the next, identifying the attackers as Damomites, the Scourge of God, they're called. Suddenly something hits her, and she's attacked by that big bear monster again. It drags her away, preparing to eat her as an array of terrifying words and terms appear in narration boxes. She's pulled down to a strange land with a red sky and walls made from unnatural bones as a giant demonic sewing machine appears above her. This is terrifying. Preparing to pierce her and sew her apart, it seems. Like it's, uh, it's really, really, really terrifying. She can only call to merciful Haraku to help her. What I love about this is that all we know about Haraku is that all that's left is just a skin. Yeah, we... And and the the enemy is trying to sew something into existence, whatever that is. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. At this I stage. would say it's very, it's very much like this is sort of feels like John Smith stuff, honestly, where where he likes to just throw a bunch of words at uh, of a of a sci-fi words at you, 
and sort of maybe eventually you'll get them, maybe you won't, but just sort of makes things feel kind of alien and off-putting and sets you in sort of a sci-fi space. I think, uh, uh, you know, not to get too heady, but like China Melville does does that a lot as well, I think, of just sort of I've, absolutely using, like tossing words into, tossing words you don't know into narration just to kind of set set a scene of otherness. As, as but we'd say in, in college, I, I suppose what I like about it is I'm not against Conrad. it. I'm just saying that's sort of what oh the no craft no is. what I what I like about it is that skin like leather can mm-hmm. be grafted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sewn into the fabric of something where absolutely uh, like it, and part of why everyone is looking for this skin because ultimately it's supposed to be whatever from this cult. Mm-hmm. supposed to be sewn into the fabric of whatever reality they're looking for. And so the sewing machine is this kind of interesting thing mm-hmm. where it's like, ah, oh, we're we're feeding this leather, we're feeding this skin into it. That's why they are looking for the skin of this god. Totally. Right? Plus I, yeah, also I think um just I don't know if this if this builds or, no, or please, whatever, but please. I also think that just like so, sewing machines are kind of terrifying, honestly. Yes. <laughs> in terms yes! Of like, As someone who lives with someone who right? does that all the time, it <laughs> but, looks terrifying and her fingers get very close to a needle. And just like, you know, and just the idea of a big one that that um it sort of combines like again this Souls sort of eager- and people. And, and especially the one we see here, it's got sort of skulls and the sort of Giger-esque, like, you know, uh, rib cage based construction and stuff like that. And it's just this big, like, you know, device of industry as well. That's very unfeeling as it as it like sews into you or whatever. It's it's a very scary thing. I think well, it's, it's it, great and she says the cut, menace. the cut and thrust of exactly. life on the edge. Right. It's like got it's a lot just going like, on. Bop, 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 bop. It's it's. It's the murder of the soul. Like there's, there's so much read into it. It's good, and I and I love it because there's. It, it's not explaining much, but it's explaining so much of the terror. It's, yeah, it's more all this, all the all the narration, all the words in this story is more. You know, it's more about vibes to use a very 2022 term than it is about like actual facts or whatever. You know. Um, so back at her body, tyranny starts to choke and froth the mouth. A gold robot nun says that they're inside her. But the sugar glider nun slaps tyranny back to consciousness and she breaks the news of the Damamites. A martyr mass service is held to mourn the dead as High's sister sugar glider, uh, her name's Kira, talks about the skin of our lord, a relic they've kept safe for generations and that cannot fall into enemy hands. It's war, FYI, so she- what that means, uh, we mm. got to get you these guns. We got to get right. you. We need to get. And I, I'm so glad that I can say this in a literal sense. These nuns need guns. Absolutely. She gives Tyranny the keys to the armory, tells her to start handing out weapons. She's going to go talk to the Reverend Mothers. Kira is. At the armory, we see that they have uh, prayer guns, which are seemingly made out of wood and stone and use a high amplitude white white noise. So basically, I guess like the uh, the weirding way weapons from the David Lynch dude. Movie. Yes, but also, I well, no. Yeah, you're, no, you're right. <laughs> the confusing you, Dune movie. 
because the weirding way isn't that in the book. The weirding. I, the, fuck I admit the weird, I haven't oh seen the actual the uh, the uh, new movie yet. Sadly, uh, out of the book, it, it did a fine enough job, I guess. Question mark. Want to see the many faces of Zendaya Fox? That's 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 what twenty twenty two is. That's uh, what you want. I mean, we can read the book that, together. That's the world we're in, buddy. Oh, listen. If there's books we're going to read together, I got a different choice, Fox. It's going to be fun. Anyway, <laughs> they're antiques, but we'll soon see if they work. In the sacristy, Kira listens to the Reverend Mothers and says, if all else fails, she must send a sister to Earth to find the Davika and summon the Deus Machina, which doesn't sound good. And I'll mention this whole story is called Deus. You know, God from the well, machine, I mean, look, I what I figured from this point is it's that that's the reason that she sent to Earth. Mm. I mean, we haven't you know, seen the aftermath of this story before, but it does seem like that does create a job for charity to do if things go bad here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kira knows she'll be dead by morning, and the smug- and the Reverend Mother tells her she must wear the god skin, which is apparently the one true skin of the Moendel Shathir, and which is her an easy death. The nuns that we see are on the attack as a Sisters of Battle fan from Warhammer 40k, Fox, as warm as my heart, taking out the Damamites as High Sister Kira makes her way down spiraling stairs into deep catacombs lined by countless skulls of different shapes and sizes, moving towards an unearthly light past a double door um, with a, uh, a the face of a tor- of a screaming, tortured woman just surrounded by, again, sort of uh, uh, Giger-like... So what you're saying is like, and a, bone forms and stuff. like a normal door. Standard door. <laughs> Kira goes to meet her maker. The nuns seem to be doing well, but Tyranny says it all went wrong in five minutes. The Damamite captain, this woman in, uh, in gold and red, tells an assistant to rouse the Termagant, which is a rash or overbearing <laughs> woman, or one of the primary foot troops in the Tyranid faction of Warhammer 40k Fox. All this 40k stuff. Yep. Back in the convent, um, that uh, scared fish nun, Sister Aquila, and another sister talk about how dire their current straits are, and then realize oh, that that damn baby's this, gone missing. We gotta go find this baby and definitely then be murdered by this baby, and then baby. face, I guess, Vinny, the footballer. Baby, baby on the loose. Meanwhile, Kira approaches the god skin, and Fox, I would describe it as looking kind of like the Michelin Man compared, uh, combined with the Swamp Thing, I guess. <laughs> I would agree. But with a, though, big, with a big hole ripped in its gut, of course. So the big hole, I'm wondering, are you Krang or not? Mm, right? We'll find out, I think. Yeah. Yeah, do you, do you crawl in there and sort of control from the middle, I guess? Well, my body! Well, uh, hey, uh, Paisano, my body! I miss Krang. Oh, man. I, I miss Krang, too. Back before Krang was not Krang, but he was Anne Krang, mm. you know? Can I tell you, mm. Fox? All right, I'm one of the few people that saw the second... Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Holy shit, that's very few people. It was from the summer where I watched every movie because I had that movie pass. No, I know. And but so I didn't know anything about that movie when I went into it. And when Krang showed up, shows up in that movie, I actually like clapped and like was really happy because I was not expecting. Why wouldn't you be? Because Krang showed up. 
I'm very excited by that. Anyway. I, I like that Krang is in a Ninja Turtles movie. I just don't want Krang to be called the Krang and he's just Ann Krang, you know? Also, also Shredder got these, had this power armor that could shoot like swords and then the armor had electromagnets that could then suck the sh- the swords back into his armor so he could shoot them again. It was pretty here's, solid. Here's my Honestly, thing. Honestly, Was he super Fox. into turtle soup or like was he, it just because he had to fight I think this if you, if guy you, who... If you offered him a menu, I think even if there were other options, he would probably had, pick, pick, turtle sh- pick turtle soup. Because I've had turtle soup. It's not, it's not bad. Yeah, come on. Um... <laughs> With um, apparently this skin is overflowing with spiritual force. Just approaching it causes Kira's face and arms. There is to just too much blisters. spiritual force in this skin. I'll mention you that you can't just have us come over when all the spiritual force in. She's Sorry, erupting please. in blisters underneath her fur because we can't see it. So whatever she well, reaches I mean, out and makes contact with it. Don't don't ask a lady about her blisters, Conrad. Mm. Come on. Outside, the nuns are being attacked by the Termagon, which is this giant bear <laughs> monster I've been mentioning. Giant spikes are erupting from the ground. The nuns are forced to fall back. And the uh, the the Damamite uh, uh, captain sort of makes fun of them about that. What do you expect from women? Akila and the other nun enter the Chantry, this kind of library that's directly above the godskin. You can feel its aura from here. Um, and hidden inside or underneath a big fallen pile of books, they find that babby. Akila reaches out for it, but then suddenly a spike flies out and pierces through this, her. This moment, this is why you don't trust a babby. A <laughs> babby is just a shape changer who wants to kill you. It's a pretty cool moment, though, as she sort of goes like, hey there, kid, hey, I'm here to save you, and then just stab. It's one of those, like, like sort of, like, quiet, shocked moments that you get in, like, movies and stuff. I thought was really neat. It's so good. Like, I I didn't expect the baby to be the bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Akeela, but I am glad that the baby is a bad. It's good. Akila sort of dies shocked. Three more spikes hit the other nun, killing her as the baby crawls out. Its body twisting into some sort of unholy monster of bones and spikes. Its spine breaks free, limbs dislocate, and jaw unlatches like some kind of puzzle box. And we just see just a wicked spiked leg digging into the floor below next time changeling if you had told me hey man uh do you like rexy mm-hmm. tyranny rexy do you like her i'm like yeah it's fine it's fine and then if you told me it was a bible allegory for i guess we've got to murder because Jesus is literally a fucking changeling. I don't know what I would say. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a space. But I crusade would say that I enjoy aliens the fuck and body out of horror. It. Like it's 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 pretty solid, honestly. <laughs> it's it's maybe the best thing out of this comic book this month. <laughs> I think it's like 
this one is one I really like. I really feel like the combination of the writing, uh, you know, of the storytelling and and Buckingham's art, I think both really combine to make a story that is really affecting and really just like scary, I guess, in a way that a lot of times things well, but, are, aren't in but, 2000 AD. But scary that isn't just visual. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary in the prose of the entirety of what we're reading. <laughs> it's yeah. so terrifying. It's like, hey, guess what? You're going to be eaten alive by the nothingness that is real. Mm-hmm. But also all of the characters that you are by chance having to talk to also are dealing with their own mortality. <laughs> mm. You know? Totally. Uh, yeah, good, but good then stuff. also, but then also, a bunch of nuns get space guns. So. They totally do. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. Again, I don't know. It's so awesome. Nuns just as a with as a, light guns as a sisters of battle player. Guns again, just a bunch of nuns walking out, like you know, opening fire on dudes. It's it 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 strikes a chord. I guess what I want to say. <laughs> And speaking of striking chords, Fox, <laughs> let's continue on with non thrills, covers, and their settings. Those are pretty good. Fine. Yeah, there's Rocky a fifth. wharf in one of them. I I knew you would like that, Fox. I <laughs> okay, because you like wharf. Froggy fifty two. Look to the future. Sean Phillips draws a character montage featuring most of the stars of this comic. Tyranny Rex, Slane, Sam Slade, Dread, and a big old Tharg in the background. Because we're just in another big rollout of characters. We've done this a couple times this year, actually, between the uh, the spring and then the summer offensive and now this stuff. Um, this time, though, it comes with a price rise to a stately 70 pence per issue. Ooh. Up from 60. Ooh. The- 70 pence. That's mm-hmm. almost a full pound. Close. The uh, the last price rise was about a year ago in Prague 800. So I guess it's hard to complain too much. I don't know. Uh, Tharg introduces the, thri- the, the thrills. And there's a profile on Tharg himself, mostly uh, focusing on his raw omniscience. And the input page is a picture of Judge Haircut, hooligan style. And letters ask for help choosing between a fiancé in 2000 AD. A lady's boyfriend is shipping off to Bosnia and wants to be wished luck. There's several suggestions for casting the Dread movie, including Denzel Washington as Judge Giant and Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Michael Bain as street judges. Okay, guys. It's too much. It's too top-heavy. Tharg prefers Michelle Pfeiffer or Sharon Stone as Anderson. Hey, who doesn't? Um... There's also a weird letter from America and a request that Prague 850 be an ABBA special. The Prague ends in with the first in a series, Tharg's Thrill Archives, pinup pinups of stories from the sort of recent past, starting with uh, the classic Killing Time, with Winwood and Cord standing on a surreal hellscape as Jack the Ripper looks on. And now to Prog 853, Fox. Ron Smith provides a classic Dread cover. He is the law. You got a problem with that? And in the Nerve Center, Thark celebrates the end of Inferno and plugs a big signing in London for the 1994 yearbooks, which we just talked about recently here on the show. The input page is a picture of a Judge Fudge Bar, one of those four packs of candy bars they have so many of here in England. What? Letter... Have you tried a Fudge Bar? Are you familiar with the Fudge? I have not tried a Fudge Bar. They're okay. Listen, I'm I'm deep in my bar <laughs> game here in England. Like 
I had a I, I had a real conversation with a friend of this show, uh, Avon from the Mega City Book Club, just about is it, berries. Is it like candy a candy bars? It's not like a like a Mars thing. No, Mars it's Mars? it's. I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, because you're saying it's fudge, which yes. means there's a lot inside. I mean, it's kind of a thin candy bar, but it's got kind of a, like a like a thick, chewy chocolate nougat is what I would call it. Oh, so it's all- it's kind of like a like a Three Musketeers, but with no. more chew. Yeah, I mean, if you imagine a Three Musketeers, that's like solid. That's kind of it. I'll oh, also, that's not good. I'll mention also that here in England, what we call what we what 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 they call Mars bars, we'd call a Milky Way bar. Um, yeah, with the with the um, uh, caramel. caramel. Whereas Milky Way, and I think Milky Ways are actually more like Three Musketeers now that I'm thinking about it. But anyway. Ooh, God, this is so confusing. Fucking love these bars, buddy. Oh, man. <laughs> like like a double decker. Um, I got, I've got, I mean, a pic- double decker is good. I've gotten into picnics recently, which have like raisins in them, I've, which I well, was so questionable had, about, but I'm fine with. I've had a picnic, but my wife eats the raisins. Mm, ooh, ooh. Division of labor, excellent. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let us call out slain for it's fair. Let us call out slain for being based on the Irish folk hero Ku Klain. They noticed John Aldrich was lettering dread for a bit, and there's uh, plugs for the upcoming dread novels by Virgin Books, which I've got to figure out how we're going to cover on this show, Fox. I don't know. We could do a book club, baby, or something like that. I mean, what, no. The best way to do it is that we take a Virgin flight. And do the virgin coverage Ooh, on the so flight. Finally, yeah, people will. I can't. I I imagine a plane loving us just podcasting at full volume. <laughs> well, I mean, fix. we could record on a on a laptop. Who gives a shit? Also, I imagine every everybody listening to the show later loving the background sounds of just plane <laughs> engines the entire time. <laughs> All right, letters request Mo Walter material, and then no. another another letter requ- requests less Walter material. Yes, and <laughs> the prog ends with a thrill archive entry for Cola Commandos. Boo. No, what? Boo. Get out of here with your Cola Commandos! Uh, so here's my question: Who? I don't know. Because somebody wronged you. At some point. And yeah. I want to be the person to help you get through that. Someone's angry at the world with their Cola Commandos fandom. Prog 854, Dermot Power paints Slain the Warped Warrior, leaping at some Romans. Slain kicks axe. <laughs> In the nerve center, Tharg harkens back to the early days of the comic with more gossipy nerve centers and brings it back by wishing editor Droid Burt a happy birthday. And makes it, and I'll just mention here actually that we're getting close to the end of Burt's tenure as editor of 2000 AD. Mackenzie takes over, I think, in the 870s or so. Um, there's also a droid profile on Mean Arena artist Anthony Williams, who compliments a few other artists in 2000 AD and lists the recently released Groundhog Day as one of his favorite movies. It's one of mine as well. The input page provides. Um, great honor with a Judge Worf from Star Trek The Next Generation. Letters talk about the history of the concept of being a berserker warrior. Notice that everyone dies when they meet the Mark Miller Sam Slade. And then another reader is only getting through these dark, cold days with the help of 2000 AD. 
And then the Thrill Archives has a pinup of Skiz 2 by Jim Bakey, which is fine. Fine for Skiz 2. Finally, 8 Prog 855, Ron Smith again draws Dread. This time with a big, drawing a big gun on a goddamn Tyrannosaurus Rex with a Judge badge. Always love these kind of images. It's the scales of justice! In the Nerf Center, Tharg plugs a new collection of Harry Harrison stories, the Stainless Steel Visions, which I guess just the, our long-standing relationship with that sci-fi author. Um, and then there's a droid profile on top, lettering robot Tom Frame! Uh, he likes Kurosawa films and says John Wagner's streets ahead of all Wait, the others. Wait, he likes Kurosawa films? Yeah, he said his. I, I think he said his two favorite movies were. Hold on here. This is his, actually interesting to me because maybe Tom Frame and I. Yeah, his actually his three, have a similar culture. <laughs> His three all-time favorite movies are The Seven Samurai, Rashomon, and The Outlaw Josie Wales, which is not a Kurosawa what? film, but well, still. No, but also, like, he's, like, he's got great taste. Oh, yeah. He's Listen, an artist. Like, like, not, about- like, not, like not an artiste. Jesus Christ, I just learned something about Tom Frame today, and I, I know that he's not around now. We could have hung out. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I could have I could have had highbrow conversations with Tom Frame. <laughs> what I think is funny, or what I think is interesting, I guess, actually, is that um I think you and me, Fox, we're at a stage of our life where I think we're closer in age to Tom Frame is here than some of these up and coming new creatives. <laughs> Sure, sure, but like also, but less into these guys, um, um, edgy tastes and so forth. But you know that I love trash. Like trash Mm. is such a is such a a quality thing to me. But uh, it's it's very rare to hear that someone's like, yeah, yeah, Kurosawa is like a a huge influence on me. I don't know, especially well, no, especially for a letterer. Right. Like it's it's that's like I have an opinion on film and that has literally nothing to do with what I do. And I, mm. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting. God I mean, damn. you know, I will say again, like I, I, I want to say I've talked about this, but I'd love to like because he's such a uh, a constant presence in the co- in, in the comic, you know, Tom Frame. I wish I knew more about him just because. I don't know because he just kind of letters, so it's we don't get a a, a full sense he's, of what he does and doesn't, or what he is and isn't into and stuff like that. He's very very present, but very mysterious within the pages. Officially, of officially, every year he gets a golden frisbee, regardless of if he wants it or not. Obvious. Well, I mean, you know, again, top letterer, you know, the dread letterer and stuff like that. I, I mean, he's, like he's I, I, it's legible, which mm, will come well, yeah. into. <laughs> Indeed, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, okay. Um, Mid Prog, you mentioned this actually during Tyranny Rex. There's a big double page ad featuring a baby Vinnie Jones who's still just like a tough football man at this point. He won't get into movies until 1998. He, ha- he has always been a tough football man. That's right. I will not have anyone disparage that. But he's not a tough actor man like in Guy Ritchie movies and stuff yet. Well. And this adds a moral. I mean, literally not, because that's not until 1998, you know? I get that. It's going to be emotional. But also, also, smooches and booches, baby. Mm. You're my girl. 
The input page is a picture of Tharg looking like a big wrinkly thumb. Letters complain. <laughs> That's what it is. Letters complain about Tharg showing up on a kid's TV chat show to plug the movie. And the rest of the letters are mostly just about how Big Dave is actually funny and smart satire. No, it's Stop not. Complaining it's about not it. Stop. Fu- it's Dave. not funny. Fox, here's what I need you to know. All right. One, it's it's big bullshit, Dave, right? Funny. Like it's two, your opinion, dumb. What you think, wrong. Anyway, let's keep going. Stop complaining. I can't <laughs> believe that you believe that. I can't. I'm just. I'm saying what the world. Edi- I'm saying what the editorials saying. Fox. I for 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 all our acrimony among Big Dave for the last couple episodes. I'm mo- I'm pretty anti Big Dave. But you know, I also have a weird um here's like, here's my stance. Like 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 instinctual if, if, devil's advocate sense. If you in twenty twenty two still believe that Big Dave has something to say, I would love you to talk to me about it, to show me where it has something to say. And if it literally doesn't, I get to put my balls on your forehead. <laughs> I don't like that I have to deal with all the social media for this and you're putting out these claims, Fox. <laughs> anyway. All right, never mind. The, <laughs> the prog ends with a with an ad for a novel by Anne McCaffrey and Elizabeth Ann Scarborough called Powers That Be, which I'm mostly just mentioning because this it's, ad it's it features like a, a, a future car in an icy environment and it's got ice skates instead of wheels, which I think is kind of have, funny. Have you read the books? I have not. They are not bad. Hey, speaking of, um, like we talked, we had a big aside about Tom Frame here, Fox. And speaking of why we see why getting a professional, dedicated letterer is an important choice, let's go to oh, God. 304 Robo Hunter. So I just want to preface this. I do, Conrad. Mm hmm. <clears throat> Dear Ryan Hughes, I actually, I, like, I get it. I do, I get it. Like you wanna you wanna put the spin on top of the art that you're putting on. However, if I have to like two X the magnitude mm. on your literally not uh, uh whatever. It's hard to read. Yes. This is hard to read. Yes. The, the, like Sam Slade Robo Hunter is hard to read. And I yeah. read all of it and it's not worth my time. Not your fault, Ryan Hughes. No, I mean, it is, honest. Okay, so, listen. It is about, both. Yeah, script robot mm. Peter Hogan, art robot Ryan Hughes, letting robot Ryan uh-huh. Hughes. We're back with Robo Hunter. We last saw him in March. We got a new creative team. Why are team. we back? Why are we and back? And the big thing, I got to say, and, you know, this is the first thing you mentioned. It's the first thing I mentioned, too. And it's just that Ryan Hughes, he's lettering this in... You know, the like, I guess, I don't know if, when, when you're writing stuff, if it's a font, like the, the it's, handwriting it's that he's like, using. It's like he's doing it in 9.5, but he needs to do it in 11 to 12.5. Yeah. The, the letters are very small and a lot of them are kind of hard to read. Like, like his handwriting isn't great, I guess. And, and, and like you, um, you know, usually when I read these comics, I have my, my, you know, we read them digitally and, I have a, you know, on my, on the desktop of my computer, I'll have my, my, my comic reader app, you know, just, just taking up half the, uh, half the screen. And that's usually enough. I, for most I had things. to pull out the magnifying glass. Yeah. And for this one, I had to both, um, maximize the screen. So it went all the way across and do some, yeah, use the, the, uh, the, the, the magnifying glass feature on the reader 
because there were just parts where I just could not read what was in these words. Now, now here's the problem. Now, here's the problem in terms of the scrawl, in terms of how his lettering worked. It was an interesting lettering style. It's okay. I can in see terms the- of me reading it and then me reading it having any effect on what the outcome of this was. The amount of work I had to do for for what the outcome was mm-hmm. negative. Yeah, super I mean, negative. The 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 pros were shit. Yeah, I mean, I, and and I I like the idea of a artist letterer. You know, it it takes me back me to too. those those old days of a Dave Gibbons on Dan Dale yes! you know, earning two checks and stuff like that. Yes! I like the idea of it. And I make feel your like, money. And I feel like it does kind of yeah, like like you said, kind of give theoretically give a creator an extra like a chance for more creative expression, just to sort of be like. You know, the I'm problem in is, all is aspects that aspects of the story and stuff. But, but, but the it, problem is, is that they're not writing the story. It's someone else writing a shit story. Right. And, and then we'll I just, have to read it through bad text. And in the end, like as much as there's art to lettering, there's also or as much as there's form to lettering, there's also function of just, you know, mm. I got to be able to read what the hell is going on, you know? And yes. So, like if you go too far in one direction, it just makes it a lot harder to read in comparison to the rest of the prog, which is just sort of not not great, you know. Anyway, I, yeah. it, this was the most time intensive prog I think I had to read for the entirety, especially which, and, and which I was feel a like huge a, minus. Yeah, and I feel like it's especially glaring as well, just because. Um, Peter Hogan is doing something I like, which is trying to bring Robo Hunter back to kind of its like loose, it's roots. slaps slapsticky, humorous roots, you know. And that's something that I think would be better served by something <sighs> that that's with a text that's big and easy to read, you know, and making it be small well, and hard to I, read. Well, this makes is the it, thing: harder for the jokes to flow and stuff like that. This is the thing: is that I felt it, I know that we're kind of stepping ab- above everything, and I'll let you get to it. The art I felt like was completely compelling. I mm-hmm. liked the art for Sam Slade Robo Hunter. Yeah. The problem I had was fucking reading it. Right. Yeah. No, I like I I mean I've I've enjoyed Ryan Hughes's stuff a lot and I feel like the way he's going to Sam here and the writing too feels more like those Wagner Grant um Mm. Gibson original versions than certainly the Mark Miller stuff that we talked about. But okay, yes. here we go. Sam Slate Fox, he's the Robo Hunter, and he's getting gussied up, complete with bolo tie to meet with rich industrialist Waldo <laughs> Winnegan of Winnegan's Widgets. There's just one problem, though, that dang hoagie. He just got his driver's license and wants to go out driving. But it literally doesn't matter. Just say he takes a taxi. Yeah, but Sam doesn't want to because, of course, uh, Hoagie's pretty chaotic, so Sam wants to go alone. He heads out, leaving Hoagie and Sogi behind. We go to a a busy sci-fi cityscape as Sam hails a cab, and when he gets in, Hoagie hands him his briefcase. Oh, what are you doing here? And Hoagie's along for the ride. The pair fly through the city, arriving at Winnegan's, where they um, are greeted by his personal android, Pam Droid, and Sam enters the boardroom where the mustachioed industrialist gets to the point. 
on a recent episode of the Antiques Robo Show, Winnegan noticed a very specific robot, a prototype of the Hen 3 bot. But did you ever he, watch the Antique Road Show? Of course, I love way. Antiques Road Show. So, that's a great show. So that's how I used to hang out with my grandfather and grandmother, was just watching that stuff. Ooh, yeah. That's a and good, it, it's that's so a good grandparent show. It's fun to eat a dinner because the way that my grandmother would make it is she would bring everybody in their own little tray mm-hmm. and you would just sit down in front of the TV with your tray and be able to eat and you just watch Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, and, and you learn something and you can yeah! sort of laugh when they get, when someone gets a really high evaluation or a really low one and stuff like that. If you, but, wa- but the if low you watch one- it enough, you kind of start to get a sense of like what things are expensive and what aren't and stuff. It's kind of interesting. But what I loved is that when someone's like, hey, listen, this isn't a big deal thing. It's a low valuation. Mm-hmm. They explain both like, yes, this is your thing. Here is what we were looking for. Yeah. And you get like this context. It's like a story of of what what a a desk should look like. Yeah. You, know? you just get a lot of background and you, you, you learn the history of, of that kind of object and stuff like that. I think the most recent Antiques Roadshow thing I saw just sort of randomly on the Internet actually was um someone had a sketchbook or like like a big book of like like portfolio from uh John Hinklinton the uh the artist oh holy hell who had do, really? you know, did like like a nemesis and, yeah. and you've seen him most recently doing heavy metal dread and stuff like that and it was a bunch of like dreads and you know 2080 stuff basically from from then and you know John Hinklinton died a while ago so it's sort of this you know <laughs> Um, like exam, like you know, a, a example of this work from this really amazing deceased artist, and it was valued at like ten thousand pounds or something. It was pretty cool. Um, but just one of these things that kind of went around the uh, the two thousand AD social media groups, just because of sort of our stuff showing up on Antique. That's Road cool Show, as hell. Neat. Yeah, that's so, cool as hell and yeah, pertinent. Definitely. Um, but so the so there's this Hen Three bot, and there was supposed to be only one prototype. And Winnegan has it, or so it, so it seems. Um, the existence of a fake robot could make Winnegan look bad, and if his comp and thus his company could be devalued, and if he is devalued, then a whole of civilization could crumble around him, or something like that. You know, these rich guys—they're self-important. And we see the robot, and it's very much like a um, like. Hello, sir. I would like to pour you some tea. Kind of like Can I vacuum with my penis and exactly. also serve you tea? Finally. Sam agrees <laughs> to find the robot and goes to collect Hoagie as Pam the Android makes a, a involved, zinc joke. Yeah, she's yeah, a she makes a I zinc therefore I Pam joke that I won't dignify by getting too into. The game is afoot. So your name is Pam because she's made of zinc, and I zinc, therefore no, I, I Pam. No, I get it. I, it's just, it's not very good. It's a Descartes reference, buddy. Live it up. It's not good. You philosophical bastard. At an antique shop, Sam is asking about that robot, but doesn't really get anywhere. Oh, did you actually read that? Did you read that with the words that people wrote? I tried to. Hoagie offers to drive to drive to the next location to speed things up, but Sam rejects him. They walk to another shop, and we see that the missing robot is following them. 
at the any old iron shop, Hoagie joins Sam. And when he asks about the robot, the robot that they're looking for shows up behind him. It turns out I had a brain after all. I'm not a real robot. I'm actually a brain robot, which makes me a person robot. And that's not someone that you can kill, Sam Slade. Also, there's a lady who has a gun pointed at you. And And there's another lady who is my wife who has a brain inside of a robot who is my wife and you can't kill her also. It's so convoluted. They also take uh, take Sam uh, hostage in the course of no, that. No, I mean none of that and, matters. And the first none of that matters. The first robot with a human brain is Roscoe T. Rossum, who's the father of modern robotics, dead for over a century. But yeah, like you said, he's sort of he's Howard Quartz himself and his wife seemingly <laughs> putting brains into robots to keep them alive because i guess here's here's my the thing brain will stay alive why, i don't know why would you suction cup a penis like literally you to every robot that you have mm-hmm. it's like also you have a vacuum penis yeah. like well maybe maybe you don't want a vacuum penis why 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 wouldn't you want that conrad yeah. I don't think that's the right question to ask. Okay, prude, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sam's been taken prisoner. There are these two robots. That One's sucks. his wife. She loves shopping. That's why she was on the Antique Robo Show. Anyway, next Sam. But now her brain's inside of an Antique Robot Show robot? Yeah. Well, no, the robot. No, she wasn't being... Um, like appraise the robo sh- at the robot show. She was just there buying stuff at the auction or whatever. But now she's a robot show robot from the r- road road well, her, show robot. Her, her her body's in an antique robot because that Devil's was what was a, that's what was available at the time when it came when it became time for brain transplants. And I guess once you've done that, you can't toss it into a newer robot. I don't know how it but works. But you can still cuddle. Oh yeah. Well, listen. I mean, they both got vacuum dicks, so they're 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 so, they're sorted. You know. Listen, you Good can go to from go. you can go from suck to blow at any point. I'll say. I'll say you can, Fox. High five. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> Sam and Hoagie are in a cab with the Rossums and their lady henchmen headed to the Winnegan building. There's some banter over the cost of the ride. And they burst in on Winnegan, who's shocked to see two prototypes. Oh, Sam- God, you were supposed to destroy all of these, and I have a mustache yeah. that literally says I have too much money because I'm the Monopoly man. Sam says that he can't destroy the robots or they sell them to brains. Winnegan. Yeah, because that would be murder and slavery, respectively. Um, and then Rossum uh, like, accuses that Winnegan probably has a couple more prototypes in storage just in case. And reveals that those robots are actually his, like, cousins Ron and Reggie. Because it seems that Roscoe roboticized his entire family unit. Which Except for cousin Rita, who's a bitch, apparently. (laughs) Which also, bro, doesn't matter if she's a jerk. You should probably roboticize. No, it seems. All right. But it it does seem Roscoe's happy to start a partnership (laughs) with Winnegan and... Because of that, the day is saved, and Winnegan gives Sam a fat stack of cash as more robots just come out of the woodwork. 
but also he's got a broken arm. Well, with the with the case solved, Fox, Hoagie's uh, asks Sam if he, they can uh, finally go driving. And Sam uh, agrees. But uh, then yeah, once know, they I do know. that, Sam walks in with his arm in a sling because they hit a truck while they were driving. And Sam was in the hospital for two days. I, I was just saying it so we could just say it and get over They come it. back in it. and Stogie's got mail for the two of them. Beals and junk mail for Sam, but Hoagie has won 50,000 credits in the Robotery. Woo! Ooh. The end of Robo Hunter. I still hate it. It's fine. Robo Hunter will return in spring of 94, but we won't see this specific creative team for Robo Hunter until fall of that year. I, so, god damn it. Conrad, as much as I hate it, Ryan how do you feel Hughes. About it compa- how do you feel about it compared to the previous Robo Hunter stories written by Mark Miller with art by Anthony Williams and Jose Casanovas? What, what do you think about those? A, a, a million those times, times, a million times better. However, I like Casanovas. Mm-hmm. You know me, right? Oh, yeah. Like in terms of his look and style and feel. But with Ryan Hughes, I feel like he's capturing an idea. Which is the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he could work with better prose. I honestly, I, I think this this story was okay. It's, it's well, so this is the hard thing for me. It's like it it didn't make me upset. I just don't want to read any more Roborunt. Yes, I would agree with that. I, like, I do. Like, like I I like it fine, but it's gonna be my bottom. You know Fair. it. Everybody yeah. knows it. I just think this one specifically is really hurt by the lettering, you know, and it's an interesting thing of just that sort of kind of like often overlooked side of the comics, um, 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 of the div- division of labor of comics and stuff like that. So I think that is kind of interesting, at least. Anyway, I, Fox. I, I like that the artist is also the letterer. Yeah, I like the concept. I'm not down with the execution that much. Exactly so. And but uh, speaking of, I guess more thrills from previous days, Fox. Let's get back into it. No, no. Thrill five, slain. Script about Pat Mills, art robot Glenn Fabry, letting robot Steve Potter. Let's go slain. You don't like this, Fox? Oh, come on. I, I, I. I think it's fun. I, I do, but for different reasons. I like my Goblin Boy. And it feels yeah. like everybody is pressuring Goblin Boy to be a part of Loincloth Man's problem. Listen, well, yeah, I mean, Ucko is the sidekick. You know, he's got a sidekick about. He's you know? not a sidekick. I, I would call him a main-ish contributor. I mean, yeah, well, the sidekick is a main character. He's just, you know, the guy that goes along with the hero and stuff. He's a chronicler of it. So, Slain Fox. (laughs) Hey, turns out there's a fucking guy in the dead zone. Mm. So we see the warped warrior axing a bunch of Fomorians on a splash page, but then cut to the (laughs) eternal fortress of the ever-living ones outside of time, where... Ucko continues writing his tales of slain Mac Roth, first and king of Ireland. fucking around about it. Like, yeah, you want to have a drink, but also, fuck you, we're going to, like, nail you to a coffin. 
It's fine, you know. Anyway, Slane's term of seven years as king has ended, so it's time for him to be put to death, as was their custom. They do so. He dies. The end. Go home. That's the end of the story. I'm off for a Oh, pint. whoops. Nope, it's not. Turns Sudden, out. Yeah, suddenly. An, umbilica- an umbilical cord literally tells you no. His necklace, the magical torque of truth, starts to choke him. And as he turns blue, he finally admits that, ah, Slain didn't fully die at the end of that seven years. It's not I mean, you could saga. tell that as an umbilical cord of truth or also just say... It's one of them. Slain, it's one of them. Slain's literal testicles smashed your throat. <laughs> Possible. It's one of them, uh, like, you know, necklaces that's like three quarters of a thing around your neck. A, a torque. It's T-O-R-C. Oh, no. It's that thing. Remember in the 1990s where it's like, hey, you can increase your golf game by having like a regenerative. It is blah, also blah, blah, one blah. of those copper bracelets that they sell late at night. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And then and then you do a putt, and then it's like, hey, it was the perfect putt. That's right. It messes your with your energons. electromagnetic field and shit. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> new new saga, Fox. New saga, who dis, where Slane's... Slane's going to deal with his love for the Earth Goddess and show down once more with a demon Elfric who we haven't seen in a dog's age, not since the Tomb of Terror in 1986. There's a recap of how he... That's almost 10 years from now. I mean, seven, yeah, but definitely quite a while. There's a recap of how a time-traveling Slane fought Elfric at the Battle of Clontarf with some pretty amazing art by Fabry here. Of just this terrifying warped slain. He's got like one big eye and it's just a just a big nutsack of a warrior with an axe and stuff like that. <laughs> Killing 50 awesome. men with each with, a, with each of the sword in each hand and not thinking of too many. Slain beat oh, my Elfric that My favorite part about that warrior, Canred, mm-hmm. is this big ass nutsack. It's what he is. He beat Elfric that day and now he's, but Elfric's now back with the sinister new army to threaten Slain's homeland. Anyway, ancient Ireland, a druid wearing a skull, is about to sacrifice Slain as he wishes his people marry meet, marry part. His wife Neve is there with him, along with his three other wives. Who it seems my be- my favorite part about this is that they aren't allowed to be there because they got the shit beaten out of them by Neve. Yeah, Neve can apparently just kick their ass whenever she wants to, and she wants to quite a bit. Um, but hey, Fox, where's Ucko, the royal parasite? He's supposed to be the first one on the funeral pyre. That suddenly, bitch better be on the funeral pyre immediately. That dude, I hate that dude. A very Ucko-looking dude with a big black beard and clearly wearing stilts. Oh, I'm, says, I'm, clearly, went that a, I'm clearly a dwarf, and he ran that way. And I'm, I'm just trying to help everybody. But it turns out that I'm Ucko. Amen, and I come from far away. He starts to uh, to walk off until a dying slain recognizes him. Uncle gets tackled and grabbed. The ceremony turns continues. out you are going to burn on my pyre, bitch, because yeah. you are the funny haha man that I exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah. The ceremony continues until suddenly the buff ass of Danu, the Earth Goddess, appears. Literally, oh, Fox. No hyphens there. I, buff I'm ass gonna, appears. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Okay, so I'm glad you said this. Her butt is like, it's not even buff ass. It's like badonk, mm, but yes. also 
like badam. It's like, oh, mm. did you think I wasn't here? Also, my boom. I'm just saying, if we're bringing in Norse mythology or um, Celtic and Norse mythology, Fox, my world serpent don't want none if you don't got buns, <laughs> hon. <laughs> it, it is anyway. the most established badonk that I've yeah. ever seen in my life. It's like, hey, look. Yes. Big old. There's, big old. There's, well, there's extra on the sides. Mm, there's yeah. extra about the body yeah but right, also yeah. she I would, is yeah. clearly clenching like her whole butt it's clenched yeah. she's like no, no, no anyway she bids she bids that slain not be killed <laughs> but sadly it's too late because that guy is dead we already killed him I, she clenched too hard his soul mm. was betwixt luckily as we always say fox death doesn't screw your career up the way it used to these days <laughs> Not she needs a, slain. Well, <laughs> sorry, sorry, please continue. She needs slain to fight for her in a different era where the groves were weighed laced and the tribes of the of the of uh of her people wring their hands with blood, and so they're gonna toss him in the uh, cauldron of rebirth. Uko sends good luck with that as the as Slain's body and axe are tossed in, you know, because he'll need Slain will need a weapon on the road of gold and that name excites Ucko and it seems that there's a golden highway full of treasure because people worship Danu and sacrifice to her by tossing their possessions into the bog so if you get in there you can kind of pick those you know those treasures up basically and with the the fuck naked greediness of a gold bug Ucko decides to dive in after his own his old buddy. We're on to the next adventure. Conrad, I'm going to tell you right now this as someone who comes from a, like a family that is literally womanful, right? Mm-hmm. Like a grandmother, a mother, two aunts, two sisters. <laughs> like I I don't it's kind of fucked up to be like, "Hey, here's all this treasure that you can take Mm -hmm. from a thing that is uh, like undescript, right? Uh, (laughs) Luckily, it doesn't seem like Uko actually gets that much, it seems like. (gasps) No, no, I I get that. It's more of just that I I love this story only in that it's so on the nose. I think it's fun. I just like the getting in here by appealing to Uko's greed and just some silliness to kind of get us started on the story here, you know. But well, but also that like womanhood is a focal point as opposed to Uko or Slain. Like they're they're the least important object. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's a continuing theme of Slain and Pat Mills generally. Yes, like you know. We've seen this like in Finn, for instance. Um, just we're entering a period but, where a but lot of the this focus on I would I would feel is better than Finn because it yeah. doesn't try to over explain it. Yeah, I know I like this more than Finn too, but I'll just say that like a lot of the focus on Pat, of Pat Mill's storytelling is just on the mysterious and treacherous nature of womanhood. Oh my god, <laughs> women Finn. have uh, genitals? Women be treacherous, Fox. How could they ever have genitals? And they be shopping. All right, so. 
<laughs> Slain and Ukko are in the womb of the Earth Mother, where the dead are reformed into other life forms and reformed, sort of a Celtic karma kind of thing. Ukko gets swallowed up by the womb and pops out of a bog, where he's then pelted in the face by various golden objects. As we see some Celtic types tossing their treasure into a swamp as they pray to the Earth Goddess. A tattooed female priest begs for freedom from the Caesareans and their demon allies who have invaded their land. The Caesareans. Yeah, humiliated their queen and brought a government of robbery, butchery, and rapine, rapine, whatever, when suddenly a bunch of Roman jerks appeared. And just from what we've talked about this, and this will be confirmed, but we're talking about uh, first century CE England, and um, the Roman conquest of the uh, British Isles. Um, this is serious. Historical stuff. And this is all taking place in Eastern England, which is right where we are, actually, Fox, sort of in our in our neighborhood here. Well, eels and all. Of right. East Anglia. It's a, oh, man, if an eel shows up in the course of the story, I'm going to flip out, buddy. Love them eels. <laughs> um, they threaten the Druids with crucifixion. And their leader goes on a rant about how crappy England is. All Britain's ever done is give me piles. Priestess says he needs help, and he I mean, starts piles is poo poo, right? It's yeah, it's like hemorrhoids or something. I mean, is I, it is I, it hemorrhoids I, or is it poopies? I'm reluctant to look it up, Fox, but I I will sacrifice. I think piles is poopies. Piles, ah, yes, hemorrhoids. Oh, well, God, poop, really? It's poop-based because, you know, it is, of course, you know, I mean, hemorrhoids is not drains. great. Yeah, I'm glad I'm just seeing medical things instead of actual pictures. <laughs> I don't want to. I got to navigate away. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just it's funny because we're talking about poop. That's right. The priestess calls out to her goddess goddess strike down these tyrants and please from don't the bog, make me do a purples from the bog walks a motherfucking slain what? oh a purple slain he has Ucko do his uh, pro wrestling intro here. Slain Mac Roth, a bone slitter, a redner, uh, or a bone splitter, a redner of swords, a pruner of limbs who delights in red Groth glorious carnage. He goes on as Slain starts jumping around and killing the hell out of these dudes. Well, the Romans fight back. They're gonna. They're sort of saying like, "Oh yes, our armor will protect us from this jerk against the basically naked slain." But it's no good. He kills twenty of these Caesarians and doesn't think it too many. You know, of Caesar, Fox, whatever. Ucko is also gathering heads, etc. Yeah. yeah. Ucko's gathering loot from the soldiers, but seems to give it all back when he learns the price for robbery involves some grisly parts cutting and the stuffing of said parts into other parts. The priestess remembers one of the dead Romans holding his severed head from a meeting with Bodica, queen of the witches, who is this sort of very uh, famous, like, queen of England during the Roman Bud- conquest. Bud- Budicea. Budicea, excuse me, Fox, I'm sorry. Um, the one name I don't look up. It always comes back to bite me in the No, ass, don't Fox. worry. Budicea uh, either did or didn't exist. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It exists in this case. The Romans want gold, and there's a big, and they seem to have gathered 
a big pile of it for them. Apparently, gold is a holy metal in the uh, Celtic religion. It's, in, it's holy in my religion too, eh? Um, we see the Romans rooting through this big pile when suddenly a bunch of like golden snakes for jewelry and stuff come alive and start biting them. Boudicca is not impressed by these Romans with their soft ways of regularly bathing and smelling nice and stuff. The emperor. I, I hate it when people smell nice around me. Yeah. You know, Wash, washing gross. Um, and she says that uh, the emperor beautifies himself like a woman. But Emperor Nero okay. is well, yeah, that's a little... weird thing for a woman to say, Fox. But <laughs> Emperor Nero is also a close and personal friend of this blue-skinned, three-eyed dude with needle teeth that's just entered the room. Well, I mean, that's... Uh... Not great. He That's what happens when you uh, align with uh, an elf. Yeah, an L from the demon lands. He captures Boudicca, tortures her as he mocks her, kills her and prepares for the same for her daughters, even though this will anger the entire nation. <laughs> this story is told to Slain, and he, of course, recognizes the culprit, Nero's favorite. It's Elfric! His nemesis from the L world, world, and that means it's time for a showdown. I mean, he did double kill the dude. Killed him a couple times, but, you know, he keeps coming back, so it's time to settle it, hopefully. Next time, rebellion. Fight these Romans. Will he? Will he send rebellion? He's already killed 20. I don't know. I thought this was fine. I like uh, Glenn Fabry's art. You know, I'm interested in a new saga for Slain here. And Conrad, here's seems like a bunch of like berserker fighting. So I don't, here, I can't complain too much. Here's the honest question I have for you, mm-hmm. Conrad. Yeah. Top and bottom thrills. Well, uh, first let's just talk a little bit about Thrill Six. Strontium dogs. Oh God, I forgot about. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Script Robot Garth Ennis, Art Robot Nigel Dobbin, Letting Robot Gulay of the Dogs are back in town. We start out on the edge of the galaxy in the Al Gol system where the Lyran sorcerers live, they who imprisoned Malak Brood and the humans I mean, that sent. They sense. did quite a bit, honestly. Yeah. They've They're- done a lot of work. One of their number team uh, teamed up with us, Brother Sagan, to send Johnny Owl for that hell dimension and his ultimate death. The sorcerers are having a meeting because it seems that they have a means to master the entire galaxy based on an ancient prophecy that when one of their numbers died, I mean, they'd bro, come back it's to like, give them it's power. Like a, it's like a hell meet or whatever. Like you show up if you want, but it's you know, it's like a, it's like a hell meet. Listen, yeah. if you if you sign up to bring something, you gotta bring it to the hell meet, all, all right? All I'm all I'm saying is the if you're gonna show up to the hell meet, like we need some ice cold stuff because everything's gonna be hot. You know what I mean? Someone's gotta so bring soda. If everybody brings <laughs> cups, it doesn't work out, guys. No, Come exactly, on. exactly. Thank you, thank you, Conrad. the The thing is, like, obviously, it's already a barbecue, so. If everybody brings meat, we're just going to be eating meat like the whole time. And honestly, we're going to leave a bunch of shit in someone else's fridge. So we need some people who do some cold ass stuff. Like, like, hey, like, hey, did you kill Johnny Alpha? Oh, yeah, I did. 
okay, we'll then bring some like, I don't know, like 12 pack IPA for everybody. But like some ce- do that. Some ceviche, things like that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I did some cold ass shit. So you want to bring something that's ice cold also that we can put in a cooler. And like, you can't just put that on the other necromancers like they're gonna just fucking handle it for you like they're already doing incantations and stuff dude all right like you're not even brought into it you're not even brought into the whole fucking ceremony like he's dead and honestly johnny alva's not even the biggest fucking ticket like if we're talking about necromancy necromancy all right let's get going (laughs) yeah Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh my god. Um. But so yeah. So one of their number will die, and when it, it comes back, they'll bring the, uh, the the knowledge that'll give them ultimate power. But none of them ever died before, at least until a uh, Charn L, who was killed during the course of the Final Solution story, was killed. So now they can bring him back and get the power. Oh, during during that one story that we liked. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I think as I recall, uh, Midden Face McNulty basically crashed. Um, the doghouse into Westminster Abbey and killed. Oh, you Charnel mean the one it? story that we liked? It's fine. Yeah, I thought that was a fun story. <laughs> and, as opposed to maybe like people show being, up to a place. I remember feeling emotional about the death of Johnny Alpha and stuff like that. But anyway, I mean, oh, to, fuck. Oh, to fuck. bring Charnel back, there's one way to do it, and they to do it, they need a mutant, namely our boy Farrell. Meanwhile, Pharaoh and the Gronk are planning their next steps as Pharaoh recounts the end of the final solution to the Gronk. And Gronk wants to go after these Lirans, kick their asses. It's about their home world, it's about a week from where they are by Starship, and he wants to take Pharaoh with him so they can no, go he, get some awesome to, revenge. He wants to skateboard into their nihilism to yeah, do a, I said kick, a kick flip into their whatever they were thinking. That's right. Yeah, a 450 um front side into awesome revenge. It's it's called a boneless stiffy, but yeah, goofy foot. Farrell agrees <laughs> and they toast a final drink before heading out as the Lyrans look on through a magic portal. It's rare that slams come for their own slaughter. It's rare that there is so much slamming in the arena that we provided. (laughs) But if they do fuck around with that sick-ass Ollie shit, I mean, why would we keep Johnny Alpha when (laughs) that shit could be a sick kickflip? Finally. Anyway, the end of Strontium Dog, or, you know, we'll... That's it for this time. Next time on Strontium Dogs, <laughs> Dark Moves. Dark Moves. If you want to get the best score on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, you make your own level. Mm. Black boots, black tights, black moves, black heart. Fox. <laughs> I demand to know as we at last, after, after making a false, a false end, We've reached the true end of our of our comics for this week, and thus I or for this episode, and I must know what are your top and bottom thrills. Tell me. <sighs> All right, so Conrad, here is my biggest problem. Mm-hmm. For top, yes, I could talk about Judge Shred, but quite honestly, 
when you have a T-Rex at the end of it, it's whatever. So look, Nina Arena, right? Mm-hmm. But also Tyranny Rex, mm. right? So I have this problem, and here's where I'm going to put it. I loved Tyranny Rex from start to finish, from looks to prose to everything. And I imagine that if it can land everything after this month, it deserves it. But do you know who deserves a spotlight more? It's Mean Arena, baby! It's <laughs> Mean Arena! It's Mr. Flawless! It is beautiful. It is shameless. It is... It wants you to watch people do a punch through a man's chest... And that's all that matters. I love Mean Arena. And I I love it because at the same time it tells you what its stipulations are, it gives you guidance of the character's progression. Mm. That's what I appreciate. Whereas with... <laughs> it, It's just hard for me... It's hard for me to talk about with Tyranny Rex because when I jumped into Tyranny Rex, it was too much at one time, but by the end of it, it was enough at one time, and it was something that I wanted to eat and I wanted to live in. Mm -hmm. But Tyranny Rex, for you and me, means a very different thing than someone who jumped into Tyranny Rex for the first time now. Mm. So she wasn't the awesome, I'm shooting rocket launchers at people tyranny wrecks that I thought she would be, but I am incredibly hopeful. So my mm. top, obviously, goes, I mean, man, if it doesn't go to me arena, I don't know who it goes to. It's so fun. And I want to see more people punch through a man's sternum. And just be like, oh, the governor didn't like him, and so he's going into the hole. Like, it's so good. It's so stupid and so violent, and it's it's creating a world that I enjoy. So here's my bottom, Conrad. It's fucking, it. Sam, it's fucking Sam Slade. All right. I, like, I wanted to talk about Judge Dredd, mm -hmm. but it was too good. <laughs> And and I got through everyone else. And it, it's just I don't understand why. And so what I would like to know from your side, why you agree with me. Conrad. <laughs> All right. Well, I certainly agree with you about um, Robo Hunter being my bottom thrill. Didn't really like it. Um, I'm OK with again or I, I prefer a move back towards like a more humor based story. But uh, like. <sighs> I just can't. I can't get over the lettering. I'm sorry to keep bringing it up, but it was just. It makes it hard no, to read, it, and really, it, it, it kills the rest of the story. Um, is it funny? I thought it had some moments. I guess. Well, no, but but if you have to read it that closely, is it funny? Like I like when um, I just like um, Sam and Hoagie having some banter and and Stogie being silly and stuff like that, and like you know, just the like. Just that all these robots of the same, like, they're supposed to be one elite robot, and then they just keep coming out of the woodwork, and it's just like, oh, that's my cousin, that's my wife, that kind of stuff is kind of silly. Mm. 
Um, but again, my bottom, not not great. Um, I want to know your top, and I am very excited. I want to see also say, you. in the lower area, I'm not a fan of the like real callousness Dred's been showing to civilians recently. Agree. Like, so I strong f- agree. And like you know, listen, I've read. We've read 854 or 55 prog, so I think we got a sense of what Dread's supposed to be, and this feels out of character for the character, I guess. And it, but does kind of feel like someone who doesn't really know, like, like I don't want to throw accusations, but it does feel like what someone who doesn't know a ton about Judge Dredd would think Judge Dredd is like, is what I'm trying to say. Um, oh, he just does a punch and a kill on people. He just he just executes everybody. Yeah, it's not it's that's not it. Anyway, um, for my top though. Um, I'm again, I'm not as hot on Mean Arena as 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 you are. I don't I think it's That's moderate. Okay. But oh, God, um, I'd love it though. I just see a lot of shades of slaughter bowl and like, you know, I thought that was really great and was a really fast taught story. This one feels a little bit slower, I guess. And just I don't know, maybe it's my inherent it's my inherent um predisposition <laughs> against Alan McKenzie, maybe. Who's just I, I That's a lot okay. Of for my top, it's got to be Tyranny Rex. Um, yes, 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 yes. That that opening to um to the story in in eight fifty two, I thought was really amazing. Really just just grabbed me and kept me going. I remember actually, um, I ha I have the um the magazine that this story is is reprinted in. Um, it's reprinted in what uh. 366, I think. And I remember just rereading like the collection of this story and being enraptured by it. And I really felt that again of just them, you being thrown into this strange situation and you don't really know what's going on, but you know it's bad or that, that bad things are happening. And it's really um, engrossing I, and just really what, Smith doing great stuff and amazing art by, by Buckingham. What I enjoy a lot about it is as people who have read tyranny rex before it is so tangential yeah i'll i'll say and um, i like that tangential attitude plus they are bringing in that kind of um that nemesis the warlock feeling to it where where there is this deep-seated uh culture mm-hmm. that's subsiding and everything yeah. and and it, it, it like she doesn't seem to hate it. She's living it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll there's no cynicism in it. Mm-hmm. I'll say that 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 some stuff from Tyranny's past is going to start coming up basically in our next episode. So like you know, it's not that's entirely good. entirely cut off from the past or anything like that. Like a lot of it's. But that's be- good. That's exciting. Pa- to me. Coming back in the future and stuff. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good again. I'm 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 interested in this story. Um, but yeah, so there we go. You know, uh, yeah, my t- uh, bottom Robo Hunter, top Tyranny Rex. There's some fun stuff in here. Honestly, so we both don't like Robo Hunter. <laughs> of course, Robo Hunter, long term podcast whipping boy. Honestly, <laughs> but I feel like I, I I will say I like this Robo Hunter a lot more than the previous Robo Hunter we've been going. Yeah, through. visually and even. Uh, uh, I mean, I like the idea that it's shooting to be sort of a funnier story and stuff. Yeah, like that. I appreciate that. And honestly, this like you know this re- this lineup, this like fall lineup feels very strong to me. Just in terms of like 
you know, we've had sort of three three sets of new stories so far this year. And I think honestly, something to think about for for the spinnies, which are are closer than you might think, honestly, is just like thinking about like which like raft of thrills was the best for this year. If you if you sort of compare the those really wordy stories in the spring with like Bad Company and um, Kelly and stuff like that, with um, and then the Summer Offensive, and then this new this newer set. I think it's well, an Summer Offensive. We don't need to talk about, but yes, I just like, think there's I, I something think to there's, be. To there's keep. gold in these hills. Yeah, I just think it's something to 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 kind of have in mind as we're sort of make our way through the year. Anyway, all right. Woo, I hope everybody got their money's worth here. This two hour and change episode. Absolutely. Uh, glad your headphones held out the whole time. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody. In, oh, good. I hope everybody enjoyed this show. As damn it, as always, you can find Space Spinner Two Thousand <laughs> on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast site at Space Spinner Two Thousand. Contact Space Spinner Two Thousand at gmail.com. The two thousand eighty forums are our Facebook and Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner Two K. And for Facebook, look up Space Spinner Two Thousand. And hey, uh, and why not drop us a rating or review wherever it is you're listening to us? It helps us out a lot. It helps people find the show. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends of the 2008 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's the podcast network. You can support the show and get some rewards. Come back next time as we'll continue pretty much all the thrills that we're working on now. Um, as Dread deals with traffic and then heads to Egypt, which I'm, which I'm pretty excited what? about. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Future Egypt as oh, slain are 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 they floating pyramids? We'll see. Slain fights, kills like a thousand Romans. Pharaoh and Gronk <laughs> go after a bunch of weird demon dudes. Oh, Tyranny cool. Rex embrace her past and will meet a whole oh, bunch of weirdos in Mean Arena, including the sexy oh. Black Widow. I she they talked about her in the first episode. That's right. We're going to meet her and be like, oh, ooh, you're going to kill me. But I think it's going to be okay ooh, with it. Oh, but also, I'm super into your bulbous center. Nice thorax, etc. And until ooh. then, I'm Conradie's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. I am available. I am available. I am available.